Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything but mostly just the stuff we like. As we're sure you know, we're all about the edumacation. We consider it our job in this life to share knowledge and spread awareness and... Okay, that's definitely not us. But we do like to share stuff that we like. So this time around, we'll be talking about something very near and dear to my heart, a band that defines a sound and defies the years, Tower of Power. We're going down to the nightclub for this. Episode 43, Bump City! Damn! That was probably horrible, but I don't even care because I'm just so excited to do this topic. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who has spent countless hours perfecting his very own barbecue sauce recipe, only to realize it tastes exactly exactly like Sweet Baby Ray's, and that he's now being sued in several states. He is the Tommy Rogers to my Bobby Fulton. We may never have made it to the WWE, but we had one hell of a ride anyways. I give you the man they call Tim. How's it going, my brother? You no, forgot to mention with that sauce, it has carbs, and I can't have those, so... <laughs> Which I was wondering how you managed to taste test that. So <laughs> it, it was it was it was pre uh, hospital incidents. So. Yeah, I just want to let you know that it isn't going to help you in court. Uh, so oh, before man. we before we get into our, our guest, I have to ask you: Can you name the tag team? I can't. You stumped me. I have no oh! idea who this is. Sweet Moses, where did you pull this one from, my friend? It's almost glorious, if you will. Glorious. No, I won't give in. So uh, that was the Fantastics, sir. Ah, yes. A well-known tech team. <laughs> well, apparently they were around for like 20-some-odd years. and they, they, really? they They worked everywhere except WWF slash WWE. So okay. I kind of figured that you might not know that one, but then again, your oh. wrestling knowledge knows few, if any, bounds. Well, you, you found one of them tonight, my friend. Well, I'm, I'm glad because I'm way behind in this category because you usually nail these even when I think you don't have them. All right, yes. so... Uh, we do have some companies, so I want you to behave. I will uh, try. Well, as as much as we behave, well, we don't behave. Maybe it Who should be more that he and I would behave when it comes to ragging on you, my friend. But you know. oh, oh, now I okay. I'm not even going to get into that. All right, so uh, joining this, <laughs> I episode, spent four years ragging on Todd. You got you, you, I just not going to oh. behave. Who are you kidding? You spent more, it's like 20 or someone at this point. Come on now. Um, so joining us this episode is our musical expert, uh, a fellow UNH grad. Uh, he is a, he, a working musician. Well, he was a working musician back when you could actually do that sort of thing. Now that uh, just hurts. I know. Oh, dude, trust me. It, it hurts me as well. Uh, he, we've, uh, we've shared a stage on several occasions. Uh, he is a, also a fellow funk fanatic. Uh, the funny part about this is uh, Tim and I, as uh, as New Hampshire boys born and bred, uh, we no longer live in New Hampshire, and our guest is a Massachusetts boy who is now living in New Hampshire. So he's gone to the old country, as far as Tim and I are concerned. Uh, he's also and 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 the motherland. Best, yes. 
best of all, he is a music educator, so everybody ought nice. to be uh, kissing his booty because educators work their ass off right now mm. and don't get nearly enough appreciation either financially or uh, any otherwise. So, uh, but, but all that aside, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jim Robbins uh, is joining us this episode. How you doing, sir? I am fantastic, as one might say. Oh, look at and that. in nice fact, look. I'm feeling quite neat. Ah, there it is. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna have a lot of this tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and and just yeah. for the record, Todd, you you did notice both you and I had to leave the state before he could move in. So, uh, no, actually, there was a little crossover for for me and for me and Jim. Oh, you had already, okay. yeah. you had already right. left. I'm no, pretty sure you were the you were the troublemaker. That was the I, I was. <laughs> I, I left in '01, and all the Boston sports teams started winning, so I was the problem. Well, I, I've been here since '96 technically, so I guess there was overlap there as well. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. Well, nice. I mean, but that was that's as a college student, sir. I mean, you know. Yeah, I but know, I, I really time my association as to now twenty years in New York. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> Not ashamed of the 20. It's those extra years that are the real the real one that's taking you out there. All right. So uh, before we get too far into things, and, and well, actually, we already are too far into things. Who are we kidding? It's it's already going downhill. But hey, let's take it a little further. And uh, uh, Tim, we're now going to go to your uh, your column, as I put it. This uh, this is now your space in the in the podcast. And it terrifies me every time. Uh <laughs> What do we got for the Week in Geek? Uh, I got a couple items. Uh, one of them, uh, you know, I'm kind of weaving a little uh, personal storage into these every, uh, you know, last uh, couple yes. episodes. Uh, th- this one is a story of, of, of one who has fallen, uh, one who has <laughs> succumbed to the temptations of uh, a game that will probably consume my life. But no, this week, uh, my youngest son, uh, who, who was into a bit of gaming, showed me um, Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, it's a new flight sim from uh, EA Sports, or not EA Sports, but EA. Uh, and uh, I watched him play for a bit, and I'm like, this looks pretty cool. And I was toying with the idea and, you know, uh, pulled the trigger, uh, downloaded it, started playing, and uh, holy moly. <laughs> Just and like, now there's no turning back. Uh, so between that and Civilization VI, I would maybe out of a job. So... Um, <laughs> Or living in the garage, <laughs> or living basically. So uh, yeah, no, just 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 a little uh, something there, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it uh, later on in my and another thing, but uh, definitely something to be checked out. Uh, just nicely done job with with the game, uh, very realistic. You know, throw the headphones on, and um, and you know you kind of you kind of feel like you're in there. So uh, you know whether it's the X wing or the Tie fighter, but uh, it's it's uh, fun, and you know it's. You know, I haven't gone to the links uh, like my son where he has an actual, uh, you know, Xbox controller. He's trying to do the old mouse and keyboard routine with a game oh, like this. Oh, jeez. You are I, so old. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> it's going to last very long. I think I'm going to need no. to break down and get one of those. But anywho, so a little Star Wars Squadrons going on on, on my, side of the, uh, my side of things. But the other wait, one's a little wait, more. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh. Now, have you come across Jimmy Dice on there at all? Uh, no, because I got through the prologue, which is kind of which. I got to be honest; it, it's been nice to see video game developers get wise with how they do tutorials now by actually having you play the game to kind mm-hmm. of teach you how to play the game, as opposed to giving you you know uh, stacks of, of manual pages to read through and not mm-hmm. really understand any of it, um, <laughs> or just so, not read it at all, or not read yeah, not read it all and just start playing. So yeah, it 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 uh, takes a little bit to get in there. Um, 
I think I need to do a little more of the training. So, so you can do training. There's a story mode where you can, you know, carry out missions. And then there's multiplayer, which is where I may cross paths with um, one Mr. Jimmy Dice. So we will see. Nice. Make sure, make sure you wax them good for us, all right? I will try, but let me tell you, just based on my tutorial performance, uh, I'm, I'm going to be the one being waxed for a while. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's just let's well, just yeah, say you're that trying to use a keyboard and a mouse. Like, I mean, good lord, but what are you doing? Playing I, Doom? I will good tell lord. you. I will tell you. Uh, naming my characters, I'm trying to keep it in the BSG sort of world. Uh, so basically, you have to pick a character name for both the because you play both the Rebel and the Empire side. You kind of flip flop. Huh. So I have uh, I, I I couldn't use the exact name because it was already taken, but I used uh, 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 Zach Husker. Zach Husker. Oh, nice. And I used Apollo Husker on the other side. So a lot of Husker going on. So I, I thought I'd, you know, do the nod to the Admiral. So say we all. You didn't go with a racetrack or? Nah, I didn't, I didn't feel like, uh, nah. I, I wanted to keep it a Dama. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But speaking of BSG, and, and mm. on a slightly more serious note, the other one is, uh, and, and, and I, I was remiss to not mention this last week and, you know, was uh, unhappy with myself. But uh, some 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 sad news, some serious news with with the XO. So Michael Hogan, who who plays uh, our beloved XO from uh, Battlestar Galactica, um, in a bit of a health situation. Basically, uh, it sounds like he is probably not going to be able to act moving forward. Um, I believe he suffered. I think it was some head trauma at, mm. at an event back in March. He kind of shrugged it off, and I guess it turned out to be way more serious and. Um, I don't recall if it was a stroke or he's he's got he's not in good shape. Let's just yeah, it's a it was a brain bleed kind of incident. Yeah, yeah. So all this uh, the the cast from the show on uh, especially on Twitter, a lot of uh, tweets going out around the. uh, There's a GoFundMe set up for him. Um, You know, kind of complicating all this is also the the just COVID, which is (laughs) complicating all of our lives. But just the his access to people, his access to healthcare um, was was uh, at least in the early going. Um, I think hindered a bit. Um, so it's it's uh, so it's just sad thing to hear. But you know he's he's made some improvements. It sounds uh, it sounds like he's able to speak again. I believe, and um, he's still kind of I think working through some other items. But I think the 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 big one that has been pretty much stated from everything i've read is i think his his acting days are are over um given yeah. his, his situation so so if uh we'll, we'll have it in the show notes but there there's an article on it and uh and then there's like i said a gofundme um you know if if you're a fan of the show and want to uh throw a little something toward the xo um you know just cuz they they have a long road to hoe moving forward and give it a thought you know, we we always talk at the end of the show about you know paying it forward, thinking about someone else doing something nice. So, uh, if this one hits you in the heart area, then go for it. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Yep. All right. So now you've uh, now how is the uh, obviously the gaming computer is going all right? Oh yeah, yeah. That that thing is running like a uh, dream. It is running fine. And you've got to be in the '60s as far as days without incident. Yes, I am. I'm so beyond so that leaves 60s, I think. Only leaves one recurring feature that we we're updating on and that is uh they all hate you. Oh, yes. Gonna, oh, thank you. I forgot about the fantasy league. I'm going to beat you to that cuz I am just getting spanked right now. I got to tell you, it's it's not pretty. It's oh. not it's not 
It, I'm down 126 to 163. I've only got one player left. The other team's got two players left. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting spanked myself. Uh, I give up. I give up. <laughs> but I have an excuse, though, okay? This is week two now where my team's been impacted by COVID. Oh, you poor dear you. <sighs> yeah, the Patriots are really kind of, you know, g- giving me a run for my money here. And any players I have from that team are just uh, not performing. I guess the game got called today, I think it was, this morning. They postponed it for some future time. Oh. So, yeah, I think a couple players tested positive. So, Go figure. So hopefully they do well, recover, but, uh, you know. They should have had a bubble. Should have had a bubble. Uh, yeah, we please refer back to our fantasy football episode where you can hear all about us ranting and raving about how well this is going to work for the season. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, it ain't nothing going, it's gone according to plan. Oh, As never, usual. Never, never, never. All right, so the main topic of the evening. Uh, yes, some, the, the some business. <laughs> And as, as they did in Aliens, somebody wake up, Hicks. Somebody wake up, Jim, because uh, he's, <laughs> he's been like, yeah, I, this isn't what I signed up for. I didn't. I don't care about your fantasy league. And I just uh, know I, I don't need to go back and re- listen to this show when it gets posted. <laughs> now I've heard it live. <laughs> Especially since there was a whole bunch of Battlestar Galactica stuff in there that I don't tend to listen to. Oh, oh my uh, goodness. Oh, wow, oh, Jim's oh, bringing the high heat tonight. I kind of like it. It's, it's, you got to get the edge in there. You got yeah. to keep things interesting. All since you and I have seen each other in person, I got to get something in there somehow. That is true. <laughs> this is what I get for doing shows with. So actually, how did how did how did you guys put this? That I have a habit of of putting people on who are either Jim, James, or Jason. Yes, or, and Mike. Or people that I either lived with, partially lived with, or slept on their couch. <laughs> Or called to pick you up from the bar. Oh, yes. Yeah, that too. <laughs> or played okay. in the bandwidth. Or played in the bandwidth. Or played in the bandwidth. There we go. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is it is kind of a weird little Venn diagram that I've set up for myself in this show, <laughs> isn't it? It is. It I is. don't know what's going on here. Uh, but we are going to be talking about Tower of Power. Now, in case you don't know who Tower of Power is, Tower of Power is a soul band that's playing soul music since 1968, which means it's 52 years this year. Good sweet mama, that's a long time to be playing music. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tower of Power has basically def- defined what the East Bay, Oakland, California funk sound is, uh, which is brass heavy. Uh, a lot of, um, I mean, the, the the bass playing of Rocco Prestia, the drumming of David Garibaldi, all of it has defined a sound that has has ventured out into various weird kind of places. Like when you can when you can influence the number of people that Tower of Power has without necessarily being a household name yourself, it's a pretty incredible achievement. Uh, and they have they have done it for now over five decades and are still continuing on they've got gigs coming up this month so they are they, they just put out uh, as we i've mentioned in previous uh episodes they put out albums in the, oh, the last two years so they are going strong still uh nice. which is kind of amazing when you think of a band playing that long uh together of course not all the same members and not uh not even all the members of the original members who are in it now have made the entire 52 year journey but it's still pretty damn remarkable, no matter mm-hmm. how you slice it. Yeah. So, uh, because Jim and I are kind of the, the the folks who are more Tower of Power in our uh, heavy in our 
our listening and background. Tim is a, kind of the newbie here, so he'll be playing my part when, when we did the Rush episode. I, I, of, I was going to say, this is kind of a juxtaposition from the Rush episode. There you go. See, you, you're using the big vocab words. I like that. Well, I got to like bring that. the I, you know I got to bring the class in every now and then. So. Yeah, because it's not coming from me. I'm just, gonna, <laughs> just saying that right out front. You said it, not me. But um, oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> was, was that a was that a can opening or was that a pack of peanuts? I can't tell. That was weird. Yes. <laughs> who, oh, yes. Who, who opened the cashews? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! If those are honey roasted, I want some. <laughs> Oh, dude, have you guys have you guys checked out like if you now they're they've got cashews in all these different flavors like they got the garlic and herb cashews you can get they've got everything bagel cashews. I was just oh. going to tell you about that. I I got them at, at Trader Joe's a couple months ago. They're outrageous. Oh. And then I just oh. bought the, I bought the shaker of the, the everything but the bagel seasoning just so I could like snort it because it's so good. Oh. <laughs> But the problem is that cashews are so high in fat, it's like your cholesterol is just taking leaps and bounds as you're eating them. I mean, I've got a good I'm head start. I'm not worried. Old guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing how high I can get this number. That's all. I'm Here just, we go. That's my challenge. It's a competition. So uh, Mike is going to be uh, – Mike. Uh, I, I, yeah. Uh, Tim is going to be playing who, who are you the talking part to now? of me. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tim is going to be playing the part of, of, of me in the Rush discussion, and uh, and Jim and I will be playing the part of uh, of Mike and Tim. So if that – I'm hoping that Said differently, I will moderate. You two will uh, talk, <laughs> and I will ask questions as uh, needed. Era. Yes. Era. <laughs> so say we all. Boy, this old Forester's hitting heavy tonight, let me tell you. Gosh, how many minutes? Oh, 17 minutes in, folks. Here we go. Shut up, Wesley. Let me tell you something. Oh my god, he's an idiot. We're gonna get to the airing. We're not gonna have we're not gonna have an another thing. We're gonna have the airing of grievances by the time the show's <laughs> it's over. It's gonna be the I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> then we're gonna do feats of strength. There we go. There we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle the cat and, oh. and she's gonna win. <laughs> I don't know. After that picture yesterday you posted, I think she could take you. Yeah, she could. She could. She's mean. She's wiry. Oh. She's wiry. All right. So, so uh, we've got a bunch of categories here. So, Tim, is your show, sir. Uh, all right. Thank you, sir. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, and I will uh, start with our guest, uh, as, as decorum demands. Uh, let us start. How did you discover Tower of Power? So I had to go back and think about this for a while because, uh, you know, as far as I know, I've been into Tower of Power and appreciated what they've done and all their contributions for as long as I can remember. However, once I dusted off all the, the files in the filing cabinet, I, uh, I came back to my uh, freshman year of college. I was young and impressionable and had uh, joined the marching band. You were still a young man. <laughs> young, impressionable, and hadn't met Todd yet. <laughs> And, and had fallen into a circle of friends that included our fine host, Mr. Regalinski. Uh, um, there we go. And I, I kept hearing them talking about this band called Tower of Power. And, you know, I, I'd hear some things at, at gatherings, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of hip. And so I think it was the, the winter of that freshman year. I, I was home, and I was working at my mom's office at the time, which was within spitting distance to a, uh, this, this thing we used to call a shopping mall. And in that shopping uh, mall yes. was a uh, something called, I think it was either a Record Town or a Strawberries or something. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, there's some names you haven't heard. Maybe a Tape World. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, no, we, we were back past the we were past the tape era. It was CDs. So I went over there on a lunch break and 
and ate some probably some bad fast food or fake Chinese food and then went over to the record store and I was looking and I'm like, oh, I'll go see what they have for that Tower of Power band. So I picked up one CD and I, you know, was looking forward to listen to it, got home, listened to it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Shut up, Wesley. That's kind of neat. And then as the school year went on, um, I heard more and I'm like, okay, I I really kind of need to check more of this band out. And then I think after that, I wound up picking up um, the T.O.P. album and Monster on a Leash. And I hit play on the T.O.P. album and I was like, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And is it, is, is, is it like the hallelujah moment from Blues Brothers when he's like, you know, I have seen for, the light? For me, for yeah. me that's kind of like what it was. And, and you yeah. know, it's it almost, it, I, I didn't want to say the name of the first album I bought because the first album I bought was called Tower of Power. And that has like every single one of their big tunes is on that album. Um, and I now realize that that first impression was very ill-informed. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, after... You know, as the years went on and as that school year went on, I remember, you know, working at mom's office and going and spending money on Tower of Power albums on my lunch break and almost driving my car off the road the first time I heard back to Oakland because Chester Thompson just sat on one note in his organ solo on Squib Cakes for Mm. about three and a half minutes. And the tension he built in that, I I literally almost drove my car off the road. And, (laughs) you know, I, I, I don't claim to be as fanatical about the band or as knowledgeable about the band as Todd may be. But, um, you know, they come around, I'm going to try my best to go see them. I mm-hmm. stay up to date with what they're doing and, and, and have, well, there's a passion there. It is, but that's yeah. partially because, um, I'm a horn player and yeah. they're a horn band and mm. they're an in your face horn band that melts faces every night they go out and play. And yes. it's just awesome to hear. So, so the first CD story. that the, the first CD that you got was it was it more of a greatest hits or was it just one that was no. in kind of the later sequence? No, or, I think it was their it, what, what was it their third album they had released. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and it it just it's got all of the tunes that they're known for. Like, um, mm. you know, what is hip? You're still a young man. I think is on there. Oh no, so very hard to goes on there. Soul vaccination. Yep. There's just so many of their big tunes on it. And mm-hmm, I put it on mm-hmm. and I, you know, maybe I just listened to it as a casual listener the first time, as opposed yeah. to listening to it deeply. But I listened to it. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But I, I'm not sold. Yeah. And then I heard, you know, T.O.P. And I was just like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I went through a similar thing with Rush. I mean, I had, when I was in first in college, I had some friends try to, you know, get me into it. And I, you know, and it wasn't listening to obscure stuff. It was listening to, just like you said, you know, some of their very popular stuff, but it just wasn't clicking for me. And then it wasn't until about 10 years after that, where I had the moment you described where you just start listening to something. And, and I think it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's where you are mentally with everything too, or it's just like you're, or, or there's a sensibility that, that just has to develop with it. And all of a sudden you're just like, you know, no, no joke. It's like the blues brothers scene, you know, it's like, I have seen the light, you know, it's yeah. like, you just, you, you're just locked in and you're, you're in it, you know, and it's, uh, and, and it's hard to, you know, to, to not be. So, so that's, that is, that is very cool. Mr. Todd, how did well, you discover? So T-O-P. if you go back to our, our higher ground episode, you know, that I, people will know that I, I started to listen to, you know, soul music kind of early and then, uh, you know, 
kind of just wandered around a bunch of different genres. When I was in high school, though, uh, I met a, a good friend of mine who who transferred from uh, school. He came, he moved from New Jersey to New Hampshire, and he was a band kid, saxophone player. So you know, being a fellow saxophone player, yeah, we we became friends pretty quickly. And he introduced me to this band called Tower Power, and I'm like, oh, I've never heard of these guys. Mm-hmm. And he played me uh, the Back to Oakland cassette, oh. and. I was listening to that, and I mean, I mean, you start off with this jam that's called Oakland Stroke, and I just uh, within the first few seconds, I'm like, "What's going on? What is this? I, I've got to get more. Whatever this is, I got to get more, and I need to cram it into my ear hole as deeply as I possibly can because it's it was mind blowing. It was the same type of feeling I had that first time I listened to Stevie Wonder, where I was just like. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there that I didn't even know was out there, and I need it now, mm-hmm. you know. And oh my gosh, it was just it blew me away. Yeah. And then what even further took it is, of course, he had a bunch of different albums on tape, but he had at that and at that time it was extraordinarily rare to find one. He had a copy of East Bay Grease, which was the first album that Tower Power did. It was uh, it was actually on San Francisco Records, which was Billy Graham's uh, or Bill Graham's. Uh, record label, uh, the concert promoter, not the evangelist, um, and uh, he, he uh, and it was it's a six song album. It's three songs each side, and they are just like each like six and a half seven minutes long, and it's amazing, and it's just raw, and to this day one of the best mixed albums I've ever heard. Everything is right there. Wow. Everything is right there in your face and perfect. And considering you're making that with like 1968, 1969 technology, mm. it's remarkable. So I got to listen to that. And then, of course, that was right around the era. I think it was just around when it was between Monster on a Leash and T.O.P. Because the first time we, I went to see Tower of Power, I'm pretty sure it was... It might have been, it was just after I think I graduated high school or it was the summer before that. And at any rate, we were going to the concert. I ended up getting stopped by the police. I had to like deal with a, like I had temporary plates in my car and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we're going to miss the concert. We got there. We got to the concert. It was at the Hampton Beach Casino and Ballroom, ah. uh, which is a, a hallowed ground because it's, that's like where I've seen T.O.P. more times than any other place. And we started going up the back steps, which is not how you get into the, the casino ballroom. That's actually the exit. And I didn't realize it at the time. Tom Bowes and like two other guys in the band were out there hanging out. And we're like, hey, is this how you get in? They're like, no, nah, man, you got to go down around the front. And I didn't realize it until I got there because I didn't, I didn't know what the dude looked like. Oh, my gosh. Because I'd only seen like a tiny little photo on the cassette insert. I didn't know what he looked like. And so then Jim, all of a sudden I think comes Jim's out on disgusted stage. with you. I think Jim's disgusted with you. They all hate you. Well, I no, no I, I have a personal encounter story with the band, but I'll, I'll wait till Todd finishes story. Nice, because nice. So, I mean, but just from there, it just exploded for me because then I was like, I've got to hear everything. And of course, I got I got more into kind of the stuff that was current, which is 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 easy to do, especially with that T.O.P. album, which is not to be confused with the Tower of Power album. But T.O.P. was such a massive massively listenable album and it had a great callback because the first song on that album is soul with a capital s which at the end breaks into oakland stroke which was such a great little callback and it and it hit me just right because i'm like i had just started listening to the back to oakland album and that's they use that song as a bookend for the album it was the intro and the outro of the album and 
I mean, so at that point, I'm like, I'm sold. I am now a fan for life. That's it. I give me, uh, you know what? Get me my Tower of Power tattoo. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I am ready. And, I'm in the club. And so just from there, I just started listening to every single thing that I could. And every single year, they played, they played the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom. And I would be there because I'm like, I got to go get my fix. I've wow. got to see Tower of Power. And, I, and the funny thing is, in just seeing Tower of Power was an amazing experience because they're a fantastic band. But being able to see some of the openers back in the day, because uh, now when they tour, they, they usually have kind of an acoustic, like one person opener because it's you got a humongous band. I mean, you don't want another humongous band opening for that humongous band. It's a pain in the butt. You got to right. pay people all that. Right. I understand the economics. Back in the day, though, I got to see uh, Duke Robillard who is a, a, a fantastic, like, legendary blues guitarist, open for Tower of Power with his band. I got Were to we see, at that show together? Because I remember that, too. It, it More than likely, yeah, because I think that only happened once. Yeah. Uh, I got to see, uh, I got to see, uh, were they, I, ca I can't remember if they were the Boston Horns or the Heavy no, Metal Horns. No, they were the Heavy Metal Horns at that time. Okay, I saw them, and that was actually the show when one of the trumpet players for Tower of Power had appendicitis, and the guy from Heavy Metal Horns filled in. I wasn't at that set. one, but I was at another one where Heavy Metal opened. And, I mean, yeah. which was amazing to watch because that dude, because he had a music stand and he was he was holding in with him. I was like, man, you to be hanging with that band on sheet music, wow. sight reading, you better have your you better have your head screwed on tight, sir, because th well, that they Garrett are, is otherworldly. <laughs> um, and, and then I got to see uh, who else? Oh, my gosh. Uh, average white band, which was fantastic. I mean, I'll, I'll yep. say it. It was fantastic. It was fantastic to see those two bands, uh, Duke and the Drivers, which is a kind of a, a, a New Englandish sort of act from way back in the day. And they kind of made a brief comeback. And now they've they've they're gone away because they're ancient. And that, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, that was that was a great show. Uh, just so many good times with that band and uh, have just managed to to keep with them all this time. All of that off of like, you know, the first 45 seconds on a cassette tape in in a band room just listening in between you know on a free period at, in high school and i was like yep i'm in that's it i'm nice. in so but so jim before we get to your encounter with top i just want to kind of go off script here uh you know oh boy little, little throw a curveball at you both but um oh. but since we're talking about how you discovered it what what is it about the band that you appreciate the most like what is it that draws you to it the most Start with Jim. Well, um, as I mentioned, I'm a, a a performing musician, music educator. I play trombone, and I have a particular affinity for anything that has horns in it. Um, nice. And having a, a degree in music and knowing what is involved in the music that the band is making and the technique involved and just the precision with which they play, it's absolutely stunning. And the fact that they do it with as much soul and feeling as they do, it's mm. just, it, it, to me, it's, it, it's the epitome of what everything should be, regardless of the style of music, but just nice. the, the precision, the precision and the feeling is just top notch. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, they are, they are one of the tightest bands I have ever seen. Uh, whether, whether you're talking on the album or you're talking live, they are, yep. they are just yep. on. And I mean, if you if you hear somebody drop a beat, you hear somebody mess something up. It is so far the exception. You're like, something's wrong. That person's sick. They've got a bad monitor mix. <laughs> <laughs> something ain't right because yeah. those yep. guys don't do that. They yeah. are on. And 
for me, it was just I've never heard anything like it. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a horn player as well. I'm a saxophone player, and and honestly, I after listening to to the Funky Doctor uh, Stephen Cooka, who is the Barry Sax player for Tower Power, once once I I was in in college, I I I, I had aspirations of being a uh, you know hot shot alto sax player, and and then very quickly realized that one uh, I wasn't that good, <laughs> and and two that I wasn't a music major, so I wasn't ever going to be a hot shot. And then I was like. Someone was like, hey, why don't you play Barry Sachs? I said, okay, I'm now going to play every jazz piece like I was the funky doctor, which not necessarily, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> but at the same time, like it was that I, I've, I, then that took me to other places musically. Like I yeah. started listening to different aspects of music and how things fit in, and especially what he would do rhythmically and also learning to play a new instrument where you're you as a Barry sax player in a jazz band you're more part of the rhythm section than you are the saxophone section mm. you know you're 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 tuning into what the bass player and and the and the drummer is doing and occasionally you lock in with the rest of the section but a lot of times your stuff is like different than what they're doing mm. and and especially in a in a band like Tower Power yeah you know the Barry sax kicks in with the horn lines overall but it's a rhythmic instrument it is like having another kick drum that you can change the tuning of at 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 random on stage. It's it's such a unique thing, and yeah. and just all the unique parts of that, like Rocco's bass playing and and Garibaldi's drumming, and and you know the way that they use horns is totally different than other bands that have horns, like Chicago, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Earth, Wind and Fire. They use horns in a very different way. Yeah. They all use them in a in a in a in a slightly different way, but Tower of Power to me was always vastly different. And I think number one, it was the number of horns, but also just the way they organized that horn section. And to me, that always just was like, ain't nothing else on the planet like this. Yeah. yeah. It just, I, I've never, I have never really found anything that wasn't an imitation of that, nice. that, that struck me that way. Yeah, and it, it's it's funny you 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 both answer the way you do because I think you know going back to when we talked about Rush, I think both Mike and I, you know, it's funny there, there's an appreciation you have for for music and for playing music when you are in it yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. Like like there's elements of the musicianship. Both of you at one point said you know something about how how tight the band is, how how on the money it is. I I know that's that's one thing I kind of geek out about when when I listen to Rush is is timing and 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 you know especially seeing them live how how they they bring together all these different things and so to hear you know kind of similar themes coming out of, of both your answers is, is just interesting and i i wonder where we're you know where all of us play musical instruments at some level if if there isn't just a you know kind of an affinity for for you know especially as as our sensibilities kind of matured over time to, to kind of lock into you know, a band like that and, and just the, the, the technical things they do as, as well as, as the energy they bring. Mm. I have a feeling that's going to be a common thread throughout the, the our discussion is that uh, Todd and I are very like-minded people. And as yeah. I was going through and, and thinking about things for this episode, I was, I, I was thinking that, well, I don't want to say this because that's probably what Todd's going to say. And then I was just like, <laughs> you know what, there, there, there is merit to saying the same thing, you know, to, to oh, absolutely. Bring, yeah. bringing attention to, 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 and it's just something that 
I knew was going to happen, but we'll be interested to see where it goes tonight. Yeah, mm. yeah, because it's 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 those qualities that make the band great, you know, and 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 it's and it's what you know others can kind of lock into. Could be the thing that kind of pulls the veil back a little bit for for others who may not have locked into them yet. You know, they 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 kind of you, know, you listen to it again. Uh, I mean, after I think after we did the higher ground episode, Todd, I listened to one of the tower power albums and it was great. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I haven't, you know, I kind of had a, a desire to kind of walk through the discography and, you know, uh, you know, try to make that work during the work day. But, <laughs> but if that's, a, that's a long haul. So I know, I know, but unfortunately my, uh, the, the amount of time I have to just sit and listen without having to talk on calls and stuff like that is, is few and far between. So, <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have not quite made the uh, progress I want. But uh, before we move on, uh, Jim, you you had a story about running into Tower Power. So Todd was talking about walking up the back steps at the Hampton Casino and and running into band members Um, there. There have been a few times. I I firmly believe that the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom is the place to see Tower of Power Mm. because it holds maybe twenty five hundred people. But you're never more than 50 feet away from the band. And yeah. it's just, uh, you know, with with the, the and a rhythm remarkably section, the good section, sound just, system. Uh, yeah. And the, for a venue that, that, that size, too. Um, but just just to be able to be that close and feel the energy from the band is awesome. So um, it, I, I don't remember what time when it when it was. It was after I'd seen the band the first time. It might have been my second or third time seeing the band. Um, they were coming to Hampton and we're we get there early because we were going to take advantage of the um, oh so healthy food menu at the casino and some of the adult beverages that they provide. (laughs) Um, So we're standing in line waiting for the doors to open and the doors open and we're like, Oh, it's time to go in. And Nope. Out comes Nick Milo and the funky doctor. And I think David Garibaldi might've been with them and maybe even Rocco. And they were going up the street to get some fried clams. Uh, Of course. (laughs) That's awesome. But the, 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 the even better one was, um, I, I actually just looked it up while you guys were talking. Um, I saw them in November of 2016 at Hampton Beach. Now, Hampton Beach, November, the strip is closed. There's yeah. there's nothing going on. The arcades Coast are down. closed. The restaurants are closed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're lucky you're not getting sprayed with seawater and freezing instantly. Yeah. Um, so I, I went with a friend of mine uh, who I had been playing in a wedding band with, and um, we got there early and we're like, all right, let's go find some food. Well, we found the only place was that was open and they were able to seat us. And it was a little bit up the, up the road near the, um, the Ashworth if for those who know the area. And, uh, we went in, we got seated and, you know, I had, I had to get up and use the restroom and I get up and I'm walking to the restroom, which I had to go upstairs. As I start going up the stairs, I look up and coming down the stairs at me is David Garibaldi. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. And I, I went, that's the, the, uh, oh crap he's gone <laughs> so i uh, you know, awesome I, I did what i needed to do got back to the table and i'm like dude i just walked past garibaldi and we look up and the entire band is on the other side of the restaurant eating mm-hmm. their meal before the show and we're like <laughs> oh yeah because i mean well, if you're a horn player i mean those guys it's like you're going to olympus to go yeah. to go and talk to some of those guys yeah yeah and and we, so it you know we, that's we why i find like, the fried clam thing just so funny because you, you you hold these guys up in such esteem and and you forget that they're normal people like us you know well, it's like, oh yeah <laughs> i i stay fried clams for all i know doc was just like i need me some fried dough get me now <laughs> 
And, and he's like, I I'm going to back. Blinks. I'll be back. <laughs> so, so one other story. So I went to, uh, I went to see Tower Power in Portland years ago when the asylum was still a thing. And it was the asylum, you know, I would say may it rest in peace. But no, I, I don't want it to rest in peace. I'm glad it's gone. May it may it forever be gone because uh, it was it was not a good sound system. It was not a good mix. It was not a great place to see a band. I, I think uh, it was just a base. It was a box with a PA. And I saw Tower Power there. And they did not have a good monitor mix because it was the only time I've ever seen them. And I've seen them at Hampton Beach Casino. Uh, saw them down at uh, Foxwoods. Down that was the first time I saw the band. Really? When we wow. when we went to, when we took that trip, that was the first time I saw the band. Wow! Wow, dude. Um, but I've seen them in, in, in a bunch of different venues, and that is the only time I've ever heard like the band kind of drop a beat. Or, or, or have that many mess ups in a show. And I was like, and the mix out front was was not good. And I'm like, if the mix out here sucks this bad, I bet their monitor mix is horrific. Because at a, at a certain point in the in the show, you could almost see like, we're getting paid in cash, right? Because I want to get the hell out of here as soon as we're done. <laughs> but, but so afterwards they were doing a meet and greet. And the funny part was like it just the the entire portland music scene anyone who played any kind of horn wind instrument was there to essentially go and like kiss the ring that was that was the feeling that i got cuz anybody who was anybody was there like that was the first time i talked to jason ward talked to him outside and you go in and you see oh hey there's that person oh hey there's that person and that person and then afterwards is a meet and greet and of course every single like every single horn player is in line so we're all waiting and you know you go up and i managed to get my picture taken with doc and emilio and doc had that same face he does for every single picture which is like when do we eat um and (laughs) and i tried to get emilio to do like a, a recording for our for the album that my band was going to record at that time and he, he he like couldn't talk at all like he had laryngitis and so he tried to wheeze it out and it didn't work so it didn't happen but it was just one of those things where you again like you meet these people and you're like oh my gosh and and i felt horrible because i i talked to doc and emilio and then after that i'm like yeah and, and you got you guys did great <laughs> like i just kind of <laughs> went to the rest of the line like i kind of feel bad but not really oh uh, gosh but yeah, so it's it's funny how how you you know as a horn player you kind of hold these guys up you know yeah oh yeah all right well very cool so the genesis of the interest begins so now uh, as we walk through some of these other uh, categories we're going to get into uh, the, the the meat of your fandom so we're going to start with uh, top five lyrical songs Jim why don't we have you uh, kick things off. All right. I hope we're not expecting any sort of like ranked order here because there's so no. many that I, I had to choose from. Honestly, narrowing it down to five was was near impossible and there's mm-hmm. no possible way I can rank them. It's painful. How does Jimmy Dice put it? This is a living document. It changes. <laughs> it changes from day to day, week to week. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm a teacher, and our living document right now is our reopening plan. If I hear those two words one more time, I think I might just spout. No, God, please, no, no. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> that sorry. That and pivot. <laughs> no. And oh, do you, you uh, just want to take the the what, what was it in Friends or like pivot? pivot. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yep. What pivot? And then uh, don't worry, nobody knows what we're doing. We're building the plane as we fly it. Shut up, Wesley. Oh, oh yeah. I hate that oh, expression. I've heard that one. Oh. oh. 
So anyway, um, I, I, I wanted to pick stuff that wasn't, again, some of the, um, some of the big things that they're known for, but, um, at the more I thought about it, the more some of my favorites aren't necessarily the ones that they're known for. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of them have, um, somewhat sentimental attachments to my coming to know the band and, and, and getting into them. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to start, I've got actually got two that come off the back to Oakland album. Don't change horses and oh, man from yeah. the past. Um, I, I, I cannot tell you what about these songs puts them in the, in, in my desert Island list from the band. But, um, there's just something about the, the groove of both of them. They're, they're both in a minor key. Maybe, maybe perhaps when I was listening to them, I was still a, uh, a brooding teenager because I think I was still a teenager when I started listening to it. Um, you were still a it, young man. There's that joke again. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to keep working it until I get a laugh. <laughs> damn it. I don't care. I'm shameless. You know, uh, and I will, I'll fully admit having listened to a good bulk of the um, studio discography in the last four days, speaking on musical aspects of these tunes are not necessarily going to happen, but um, there, there's just something every time I hear, either of those songs start, you know, within the first four beats, I know what song it is. And I just, it's, I'm in a happy place, so to speak, even though the songs may not be dealing with especially happy topics, but, um, it's, they just take me to a place that few things do. Um, very much like my next one, which is, uh, only so much oil on the ground off of urban renewal. Well, quick, quick point. I mean, both of those songs, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, both of those are Chester Thompson right out front and might actually be him just like totally let that might be just him on bass pedals and organ. Yeah, actually, now no that you Rocco say that at that, all, that may very well be the, the case. But yeah, and, and actually Don't Change Horses is great because if you start doing a, a living in the city, Stevie Wonder's living in the city, you can actually do Don't Change Horses. And then segue into living in living in the city. I, I like to do that to mess with uh with with James and Alex when we would do live gigs, and they look at me like, "Really, you're going to try and do that?" <laughs> That's actually <laughs> that pretty. Now, now that I hear the two of them on top of each other in my head, I, I can see that see how that they happens. both look at me like, "We um, know you can't sing that song. I mean, don't even try." <laughs> <laughs> and I now now that I'm hearing more of it, more of the tune and, and and filtering some of the other albums out of my head, um, there there's a unison horn solely in the middle of um don't change horses. And it's, it's everybody's playing the same thing. It might be octaves apart, but it just, that sound of Mm. two trumpets, two tenors and a Barry. It just, it's like otherworldly to me. Um, and, and and when they're in those octaves or that unison, it's just, it's just like, it's a marching band company front playing the same thing. And Mm. it's, it's, it's so powerful and, 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 and gets me, you know, right where it hurts, but mm-hmm. uh, it's unreal. So the next one that I'd have to go to is like I mentioned was only so much oil in the ground off of the urban renewal album. Again, I can't pinpoint to you and I can't tell you what musically about this lands it on this list. Um, it's, it's the groove and, and just the way the band is putting it out there. Um, I can't remember when it was. I, so I, I said, I saw the band in, 2016 i think i saw him again in 2017 and i think it might have been one of those two shows where they they dusted this one off and they played it live and, mm. and i was just i was like a kid in a candy store 
I, I couldn't believe they were playing it live, but, um, you know, it was written and recorded at the height of the energy crisis. And given the fact that it's timely for the 1970s when we were short on gas, it's even as timely, if not more timely now, uh, which is yeah. why I think they, they might've dusted it off because, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it, 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 it's a timeless song and really just, I, I, I can't even, I, I'm getting all flustered talking about it because the first time <laughs> I heard them play it live, I was just floored. When it's got, I mean, it is, it's got so much energy to it. it I mean, it, once it gets going, I mean, it doesn't even, it doesn't even like allow you a moment to gather yourself Right. It just kicks in, and it's like it's like someone just mashed the pedal down, and like it, it, it like so there was a there was a guy actually Tim you remember this guy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dion remember him from uh, the warehouse oh yeah he had like a nineteen late sixties uh, Chevy Nova that oh. he like just he just worked out hallowed to like ground my friend that was hallowed yeah. ground <laughs> and he would do the whole like he put a twenty dollar bill on the on the on the dash and be like all right if you can get it it's yours and then he just mashed the pedal down and you'd be pushed back in your seat so much you couldn't reach that dashboard if your life depended on it (laughs) let alone if there's a 20 dollar bill on it that's what only so much in the oil in the ground does it just starts like i mean the whole band is right in and it doesn't let up like even when they kind of let off a little bit it just keeps coming at you i mean it's just a relentless song and I, oh man, it's it, it is. It's an awesome song, and it's such a. I mean, Lenny Pickett just kills a solo. Oh yeah, and, uh, absolutely. So uh, so much to love about that tune. Yeah. And I'm looking at the track listing right now, and, I, and I'm wondering if it if it sticks on my list so much because it's like that that first course in a fine meal. Because I'm looking at the track listing, and it's every single one on this album is just it. it it's a super solid album. So perhaps oh, yeah. that that tune is what makes it. it it's just a perfect cover page on a well, well-written it, TPS report. Yeah, it's like the it's the it's the end of the trilogy because they people always talk about the classic Tower, you know, uh era and that was, you know, Tower of Power, Back to Oakland and Urban Renewal were like the three albums everyone's like, yeah, that is like the sweet spot. And yeah, that album is oh my gosh, it is so good. Yeah, and um so I guess I'll I'll go on the the one that's the um the big one for them that's on my list is um, You're Still a Young Man, as we've been joking about so much tonight. Um, and it pays off. Thank you. It does. Yes. Um, <laughs> Not really, but hey, I'm going to take it. I forget which album that was on originally. Um, Bump City. Okay. So, yeah, an, an earlier one. And it's uh, just the the harmonies in the horn section and the background harmonies in the, uh, in the vocals. It, it's just mm. everything about it is quintessential tower of power to me um Mm -hmm. you know it starts with a a lead trumpet player starting up on a high a and only goes up higher from there and then (sighs) at the end for for the the trumpet players to play that closing statement and to play it the way they do in in the register that they're playing it and in tune and just again using the term melt your face it really does and when you hear it live and you can hear them playing louder than the pa it's just mm. oh, it's it's soul shaking. Who is the guy who? Uh, what was his name? The first name was Jesse. Jesse McGuire. Say. The Reverend yes. Jesse McGuire. Oh my good lord, that guy could blow. That was and that's that's one of those guys who I think of like I don't think I was hearing it through the PA. I was no. hearing the horn 
over yeah, yeah. the PA. <laughs> yep. He could he could blow, man. Yep. Oh, good lord. Famous for playing the national anthem at the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks games. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and he had the he had the pyro thing that he would he would toss out at, at oh, some God. point, which was, I, was, I think that I think that may have been good. Emilio looking for something to hang on to, and yeah. be like we got to get the crowd excited somewhere, make, make flames shoot out of his horn. The kids will love it. The kids will love yeah. it. Uh, and my my last one, um, I was stuck on this again. There's there's so many things that I could have put on this list, but um, I came to the band um, around the Rhythm and Business album era, mm. um, and then had to go back and hear some of the earlier stuff clearly, but. Um, there's a, a song on the Rhythm and Business album that they actually use a lot of times as their last song of the night before they come out and play You're Still a Young Man as an encore. Um, mm. And whoever's singing at the time will say, you know, thank you, good night, you enjoy yourself, blah, blah, blah. And just remember, when all else fails, I got to groove. I got to groove. And, and the, the band, you know, singer says that Garibaldi hits beat four on the snare drum and the band just... Oh. Burns. Well, don't don't forget that you get the scoop. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. It's just it's. Oh, uh, and and you can see like you see him at Hampton Casino, and and as soon as that that scoop happens, and they're in on beat one, the whole place is moving in 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 whatever way they move. But yeah, <laughs> some people some people are moving interpretively. Todd yeah. and I are sitting there and and we're 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 bopping our heads like, you know, Saturday Night Live, live at the Roxbury yeah, it's, and and it's just it's it's New but, Hampshire it's New Hampshire funky. But it hit <laughs> and it's just yeah. So I I mean, taking so 52 years of amazing things and narrowing it down to 5 was near impossible, but that's what I got for you. It's 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 hard with bands that that have a deep catalog. It it is hard because there there's just different you know, and again, when we did this with with the with Russia, it was there's just different you know eras, different different um, styles of music, and and just different ways they played that just kind of hit you, um, you know, all in positive ways. But it's just like how how, how do I na- narrow this down to five? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. It's yeah. Just, and and have it be representative. You know, it's like. We don't try to make this a stressful thing, but it becomes one as you start yeah. to think about it. <laughs> it. It's a tough ask. It becomes one of those deals where, like, you're choosing which kid to let go of as you're pulling <laughs> him up off the cliff. Yeah. You don't want to let you know leave anyone out, but you gotta, unfortunately. So. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right, Uncle Todd. What are your top five lyrical songs? So, uh, first one for me, and again, this is the same sort of thing. These aren't ranks. This is just whatever occurred to me first. Uh, one of my one of my all time favorite songs, and I've got I've gotten to hear it a couple times live. Uh, is "Get Your Feet Back on the Ground." Get your feet back on the ground, as it's uh, notated in the on the album uh, from the Tower of Power album. And to me, it is just one of the absolute heaviest songs that they have ever done and especially when they play it live and sometimes they'll actually slow it down a little bit i've heard it played a little faster than the album version i've actually heard it played a little bit slower like a couple bpm slower than the album version and oh my gosh it is just a wall of sound that just hits you and just the stuff that's going on with the guitar and the bass to just kind of 
I, I don't know. I can't dis- I can't really describe it. You have to go listen to it. It is just it is just so thick. It's like it's like diving into a chicken pot pie that you just keep finding more and more layers to you. Like, oh my gosh, there's some peas and carrots underneath here, and there's more gravy. Oh, and then we hit the bottom crust. Oh Lord, I'm so I'm full. I can't eat another bite. <laughs> No what? Give me another slice. I'll have another slice. <laughs> that that kind of thing is. Oh my gosh! It is just amazing, and it just hits. And it just it's one of those songs that, sort of like a only so much an oil in the ground. It, it's not that it, it is just mashing the pedal down. It's like a diesel truck that you just can't stop. It just keeps going and going and going. Oh my gosh! One of my all time favorite songs, and also one of my favorite lyrics, because I think it's like the third verse where the the singer uh, Lenny Williams is, is singing, uh, "You can't walk a straight li- a straight line, girl, if you're wearing crooked shoes." And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but that's badass. That's badass. <laughs> I, I, Lenny, I hear you. I know what you mean. I don't. I don't actually know exactly what it means, but I know what you mean. Um, oh my gosh, so awesome! Uh, another one would be "Back on the Streets Again," which was off of the East Bay Grease album, which to me is one of those songs that it's it's kind of like a social consciousness song because it's talking about it, back in like the you know late '60s, early '70s, like you're dealing. Well, actually, it was 1969, so it's late '60s of just unemployment and and. You know economics and and living in a living in a city where things aren't going that great and and you're dealing with all of these issues and it's kind of funny because you go you go through different eras and you're like yeah this this applies like back in the 1990s early 90s recession this would apply in the in the 2000s recession this would apply this idea of like you're back on the streets again you're you're just trying to scrabble to survive and uh, and I've always had a lot of love for those those songs off of that original album because they to me it's just tower of power at its most raw and it, they they weren't quite they were they were more on the uh on the underside of cooked than than uh when they hit bump city and especially tower of power when they finally kind of just it all gelled um so there's there's some bits here i know i know jim isn't a, a huge fan of the leads uh, tenor player on that <laughs> on that album uh, i i think the words that he equated was it was a it was a better than average uh, high school player uh, <laughs> poor, poor old skip mesquite doesn't get a whole lot of love but dang it he was there at the beginning um but man those songs i just have a lot of love for those so that's kind of my my representation of that album it could have just as easily been the skunk the goose and the fly which Actually, you know what? I'm going to change it. It is the skunk and the goose and the fly because I got to have an Emilio song because Emilio always sings one song per album, and I don't have any Emilio song. So you know what? Forget back on the streets again. I'm going with the skunk, the goose, and the fly, which is a fantastic song. You got to listen to it. Which, anyway. which I had completely forgotten about because and, and, oh. and doing my deep dive through the discography this week, I, I heard that one and I was just like, "How have I forgotten about this?" It was just. Oh my! Oh my! Oh yeah, and it never gets played live. Never. I was hoping that we would get to hear it live with Marcus Scott because he could actually pull off the vocal. I mean, Emilio can't pull off that vocal anymore because that was <laughs> that was so close to the edge of his his range that I don't think he could do it anymore. More cashews. You know. Oh, nice. Send some over this way. Um, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you when your when your chorus is drunk as a skunk, he's drunk as a skunk, you know, he's loose as a goose, loose yep. as a goose, high as a uh, I forget what the actual lyric is, but I mean, oh my gosh, it was just, it's one of those things where you're like, I'm not even sure what this is, but damn, the groove is so damn good, I can't knock it. Um, right. All right, 
so uh, so now that I've changed something there. So uh, next one, uh, Soul Vaccination off of the Tower Power album, oh. a classic, and and actually kind of a, mani- a manifesto for this band. Uh, and and uh, the the thing I want to talk about most is just the horn breakdown in the middle of the song. Where you? I know. Well, no, it's because it starts off. Bup, 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 oh yeah, bup, yeah, yeah. Because you you break it all the way down to just Barry's sax. Yeah. And then they just keep building layers on top of that, and just keep going, keep going, keep going, and the song just kind of explodes out of that, and it just cooks. It just cooks. It's an amazing song, and it's talking about you know. This idea of a soul vaccination, because otherwise you're going to get funky pox, and you know, all, oh, it's it's <laughs> it's oh, it's lovely, and it is a concert staple. So yep. I mean, you're yep. you're you have a better than average chance of hearing this whenever you hear Tower Power, and it is one of their best songs, just overall, and so representative of what like kind of that East Bay grease sound is, you know. Nice. So let me ask um, you a question about that, yeah. because because as I was listening this week, I you know. I was in the uh, the eighties era and I, I was on Monster on a Leash and ever mm-hmm. since I've ha- owned that album, the first time I heard the song Attitude Dance, I thought it was an extreme <laughs> callback to Soul Vaccination. And you, know, I, you may agree or disagree, but for, for to me, there, there's a lot of parallels between them in terms of groove and and the mm. way the horns are used as as a, a rhythm instrument. And it just it feels like they were looking for something from back then to bring into the the 80s and 90s i could see that because i think they were, i think they were definitely in a mode of that because especially with that album that was i mean monster on a leash was really their comeback because they had they had been laying low for quite a while i mean uh power was the album before that that was the mid 80s i want to say monster uh, actually early mid 80s uh, when it went was monster on a leash power? was 89 i think uh Okay, well, no, Monster Unleashed is 91, and uh, Power was 87. But between there, I mean, they had, I mean, 81 was direct, which was eh, not really so much an album. I think that was, oh, uh, T.O.P. was in Europe. Anyways, we're getting way too in the weeds here. But anyways, so so 81 (laughs) was an album. Then 87, they had a kind of a comeback album. 91 was really kind of the completion of that album, uh, that comeback. But in between there, they were really just doing a lot of studio work and kind of, they for a while, they were like, Huey Lewis's touring. I was going to say that section. was the Huey Lewis era, wasn't it? Yeah, which yeah. I, I mean, God bless Huey Lewis because I don't know if Tower Power would have actually have continued had Huey not been throwing these guys work. I really yeah. don't. And 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 uh, I'll post it in the show notes because it's one of my favorite things. But there's a there's a video of Huey backstage with the Tower Power horn line, and he starts singing a, a "Ain't Nothing Gonna Stop Us Now." Ain't nothing stopping us now, and and he knows the song, and it's just the horn section and him and the and the band singing with it. Acapella. He's from San Francisco, though he should know it, isn't he? Well, yeah, but yeah. but just being that much of a fan that he's like, you know what, I'm gonna get these guys some work, and and uh, and even th- kind of almost like they should, I should be opening for them. If this were a just world, <laughs> and, <laughs> I would be opening for them because they're the legends. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, so that the, and you get Monster on a Leash and they kind of started trying to bring that back. And then, of course, with T.O.P., I feel like they were kind of reaching back like, hey, you know what? We've got a history and let's yep. try and brag. So, you know what? I would, I'm I hadn't ever listened to Attitude Dance in that context. I'm curious to to actually listen to it. I'm going to have to do that after we record and, and report back to you, sir, because I just from what I remember, I could see that I could see that. 
Some I may be completely and totally off my rocker, but every time I hear it, for some reason, I hear soul vaccination or, or uh, hear it as a callback to soul vaccination. Well, I'm a big fan of off your rocker, so I'm, I'll give it a <laughs> well, chance. I wasn't going to go there, but since you did, then <laughs> Tim, can Always we go away been. from the outline? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, Sure, no. why not? <laughs> we don't need to go back into some of those days. All right. Uh, so and, and, uh, uh, song number four uh, would be uh, Soul with a capital S, which is off the T.O.P. album, which uh, oh. was a another massive album and of course the callback to Oakland Stroke was always just fantastic and the thing is I will go I I will defend the hilt uh, I actually like the original version of this song, uh, the the drum part, better with the uh, now was Russ McKinnon on this or was this Herman Yeah, he was, that, he was on that album was it was it Herman? no it was Russ, Herman didn't okay. come in until uh, sold out Okay, so I, I I was a big fan of the original recording of this, and actually the last time that we I saw them at Hampton Beach, it was uh, after Garibaldi and a couple of the other guys got hit by that light rail train in San Francisco because they were yeah. trying to make the crossing. I'm like, dude, you're in your 60s. Ain't a good idea. That was a poor decision right there. Great drummer, not so great at a crosswalk. Uh, so, uh, but when Herman Matthews was filling in for him, I actually heard the original drum part for the first time in a long time because Garibaldi plays it very different than the original track. Yeah. And I love yeah. the original recording, just the drive of it. Right now, it kind of just rolls a little bit, I'm, and I'm not a huge fan of that. I love the drive of the original. Um, but yeah, just a fantastic track. And I think actually Larry Braggs uh, had the best version of this when he would sing it. Oh, man, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then uh, song number five for me would be uh, Stop, which is off of Soul Side of Town. Uh, to me, it was uh, Soul Side of Town to me, I, I just... I love that album as a whole, and there's a lot of different songs off of that that I like. I still consider that, to me, like I was amazed that in year 50 of a band, they put out a song that is uh, an album that is arguably one of their top five ever albums, which to me just doesn't happen. And and whether or not you think it's in the top five or not, I at least feel it's in the discussion because it was that good. I I absolutely think it's in the discussion, but I think that also uh, owes a lot of fat, a lot of. attributes to the uh the lead singer at the time as well but that's just a personal opinion and we're not going to get into how i feel about that whole decision well we might by the end of this okay i've got some opinions as well i I, i'm aware (laughs) but i I do like how how stop it's kind of one of those things where i do appreciate the fact that emilio especially when he dedicates you're still a young man every single show you will hear emilio dedicate that song to the friends of bill w and it's a it's a call out to the fact that he knows that like in the 80 in the early 80s to mid 80s uh top had themselves along with the rest of the country a fairly serious drug problem and uh and and to get the band getting sober was really the key to them actually making a comeback because otherwise i don't think these guys would be alive at this point i really don't um, and unfortunately, it's also part of the reason that we don't have Rocco anymore is, right. I mean, th- that dude lived a, a really hard life, you know, in, in terms of he, he beat up on his body with drugs and alcohol. And unfortunately, that's why we don't get to, to hear Rocco anymore. But I, I love the fact that in Stop, it's, you know, it's talking about, you know, the other that I was thinking going out and doing some drinking, you know, uh, or, you know, and then he gets into, you know, it's been a while since I've been lucid, ain't done nothing stupid. I'm just like, you know, those are great lyrics, but at the same time, it's also kind of what a person who has 
done some changes in their life things and i i as someone who has you know uh slept on one person's couch uh recovering from a hangover and and also called uh the other uh person who's on this show for rides home from the bar there's times i think like man i couldn't i couldn't hang with that stuff anymore and i appreciate the fact they're willing to put that in a song and be like dude it's it's about time i stopped this foolishness and 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 got myself in line and and i've always appreciated how that works its way into different songs i mean back to like monster on a leash like or you know different different songs throughout that catalog since like the the early 90s on there has been a bit of a thread where you can find it like oh they're talking about the things they used to do to go back to the old blues tune you know yeah and uh and i like that i like i like the fact that they're willing to to go back to that and and kind of say hey here's an example like don't do what i did (laughs) be smarter you know you can have just as much fun and and you know not go to the lengths that i did anyways but yeah that's my nice nice and by the way some of those nights when you called me and i you know i had already gone to bed i i was staying up expecting the call and yet it went that long (laughs) and then you finally fell asleep all right i guess i'll just go to sleep I guess sudden, he's fine. Phone rings, and you probably sit at the bar like, "Hey, guess what? I'm gonna call him now." <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't even that coherent. It was like, "Hey, <laughs> I was, I was literally Bill Brasky. <laughs> I was literally Barney from The Simpsons." <laughs> hey, Homer. <laughs> and the worst part was like, uh, the, the, "Oh my gosh, whoever designed Biddies, Biddy, and, and, and for <laughs> oh my who, god." For anyone who's ever who was back in Dover in, in the nineties and early two thousands, Biddy mm. Mulligan's was perhaps one of the greatest Irish bars ever because it whoever whoever designed it had the, the sheer sadism to put the bathroom and the phone downstairs. <laughs> so you had to watch and they were carpeted stairs. So you had to watch these drunks navigate up and down the stairs as they're having to go call someone to call get them home or go have a pee. Mm. And they're just like and I I'm surprised that there wasn't more. Like you just watch people and it turns into like that Richard Pryor sketch, you're like, oh Lord Jesus, help me! Oh Lord, I'm halfway down now. My shoe, you know. I don't know how that didn't happen. Then again, maybe I just didn't notice it. Um, but yeah, me navigating those stairs down just to call you would have been a worthy movie in and of itself. I'm let sure. Me t- let I'm me sure. assure you. <laughs> Mo- moving right along. So uh, we have completed the lyrical song section of this evening. Now we will move on to, uh, and, 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 and I like the fact that this band, uh, again, you know, a little bit of a reflection of, of what we've discussed with, with Rush, where there is uh, lyrical and there's instrumental. So mm-hmm. top three instrumental songs. I'll mix it up this time and have Uncle Todd go first. Uh, but before you start, real quick, uh, the... The selection that you gentlemen have picked are—is this spanning across the decades, or has this have some of your selections kind of honed in on a certain time period? Uh, this kind of goes across the. I think it does because traditionally, uh, Tower Power has one instrumental, okay, minimum per album. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of there for a while. It was kind of a formula, like you could be like, okay, there's this many ballads. There's this many instrumentals, and this, it, it, uh, they've gotten away from that in the in the last couple albums. But for a while, it was that way. But they usually have one instrumental per album. Okay, okay, nice, nice. And and for the lyrical ones, again, that that kind of spans because I know we talked about that struggle of getting down to just a couple songs to kind of reflect, you know, what you like. But but is it, is it time period based or is it across everything? 
Because because I have no, I have no mine are definitely across a, 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 a multiple eras. You know, okay. I've got I've got a few from from the as as Todd called it the 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 sweet spot, and then um, a couple of the newer ones as well. Nice. Yeah, same for me. I've I've got a couple. Well, I mean, really, I've I've got from their first album, uh, you know, the, the East Bay Grease all the way up to. Well, no, it's the same album. So back oh, to the streets yeah, again, right. yep. and uh, yep. Skunk the Goose and the Flyer from the same album. So yep. I, yep. I still maintain that my East Bay Grease cred, yes. uh, <laughs> and managed to flip flop. So I, I'm, I, I think that's a triple uh, double word score, um, sort of <laughs> a Yahtzee. I don't know, I, something, um, and then all the way up to like their second to most recent album. Nice. So yeah, it kind of nice. goes goes all the way across. Cool, cool. All right, well, top three in- instrumental songs. Uncle Todd, take it away. Uh, first one's got to be Squib Cakes. And as a Barry Sachs player, that's just a given. I mean, it is it is a feature for Doc, and it is a feature in, in the in the way that doc wants to be featured uh he is a he is not you are not going to go to see tower of power and see doc ever do a solo he he doesn't do him he just doesn't do him because that's not what he does and i and the funny thing is in a way i i trying to emulate him cured me of wanting to be the featured soloist because i kind of got to the point where i'm like you know what i don't know that that's my thing and uh, and when i started a band i i very much tried to start modeling our our horn lines somewhat on Tower of Power, even though I knew I was like, okay, we're not going to be at Tower of Power. We're not that. We're, we're just not going to get that tight. And then I t- kind of swerved and was like, all right, it's Tower of Power, kind of Sly and the Family Stone. All right, cool. Yeah, so we can be sloppy. Sweet. Um, and, but I, I was, I was still, I was still trying to be Doc, and so I very much was like, I don't want to take solos. I, I would tell, you know, whoever was playing the other horn parts, like, you are the soloist. I'm going to sing and I'll play I'll play the berry parts. I don't I don't need to get a solo. I would actually rather not. So Squib Cakes is, is very much a, a feature for Doc, but it's a feature in a very rhythmic sort of way. He, like, he carries kind of the, 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 the opening melody of the song, but it's a melody in just this very staccato, just a bump, bop, ba dum bop, ba dum bop, ba dum bop, ba and it gets answered on like the guitar and, and horns and stuff. And it's like, it, it is it is total like it is the way that Doc wants to be featured. Like I'm not here to solo. Just let me just let me play something really funky that'll make you go, oh damn, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then the rest of the song, as as Jim alluded to earlier, you know Chester doing that, uh, the uh, just the that hanging on that one note forever and just and as soon as he as he mentioned is going in my head right now just where he's hanging on that and then he's also playing his left hand stuff and also doing bass pedals because i mean you know why not because he's that damn good and then of course you also have lenny pickett blowing on that um and then who was a uh, who had the who had the uh the trumpet solo on that or a flugel solo wasn't it uh i can't remember if it was trumpet or flugel but um it felt a little mellow to be trumpet. Oh no, actually, it did. It was it was trumpet because it when it it ended up going up high. I think it might have been Mick, but I mean, it, it just kind of covers the entire band and the fact that you just and then at the end you kind of get this squib cakes, and they just have this one thing that they kind of chant and that's it, and it's just it's a it's just a jam and it and it changes like time and at one point. It goes into this very weird part where if you're not really paying attention, you lose where the time is. Like you can yep. lose where one is real yep. quick, and then all of a sudden it just snaps back. You're like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> uh, 
uh, to me, it's just like it is the greatest instrumental they've ever done. Um, and the trumpet solo would have been Greg Adams on that one. Really? Okay. Yeah. Right on. Um, well, I mean, you don't get to be the horn arranger for Tower Power for like 30 some odd years. No. without being In that, able to in that era, Mick did all the heavy lifting and Greg played the solos. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, that, that that's a song that, it, again, if you're going to go listen to Tower Power and you want to hear like what a T.O.P. Uh, instrumental is, Squib Cakes is, I would say, is your first stop. Um, after that, I go to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which was off of the uh, Monster on a Leash album. And that's kind of a sentimental pick because I just remember listening to that endlessly uh, because that was one of the first albums that I, I would listen to back to front with them. And uh, I, I, I just always liked how, I mean, aside from the synth, I was never a huge fan of Nick Milo's synth playing. It was, but it was, it was it's the early 90s. I mean, you couldn't get away from it. But I always, I always liked that, that one. And then of uh, Ebony Jam, which was off of In the Slot, which to oh, me is Before uh, just, we get there, though, can I, can I go off on Mr. Toads for a minute? Cause yeah, go when right I, ahead. When I was doing my research and I saw that you had already populated this question, I went back to refresh my memory on that. And I was like, ooh, it's the Fox Sports theme song. And Oh, yeah. It, it's got a total like <laughs> oh my gosh news program sports vibe to it, and, and yeah. I, I could totally see it being played on like Sunday Night Football on Fox. And well, the thing is, it's old enough that they would play it because they don't play any music from the pa- from the past twenty years. It's got to be twenty years older, you know, or more. <laughs> Although one gosh. of the networks used "What Is Hip" as bumper music this past weekend. Well, again, that's a perfect example. Although that is actually good taste finally shining through. Although no True. one will know it. They're like, what's that? <laughs> that's real <laughs> music, you yeah. dummy. <laughs> All the musician friends on my social media feeds recognized it. Yeah. Tower Power was tw- was trending for like five minutes on Twitter. And then pff, nothing. Um, <sighs> makes me angry. All right. Uh, and then after that, Ebony Jam off of uh, In the Slot, which is uh, just... I mean, I mean, come on, Chester Thompson. Uh, I I don't know what to tell you. If if you don't know, I don't know what to tell you. It's just great. Nice. nice. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> That's all we got. He ain't got no more. All right, uh, Mr. Jim, what do you got? So again, like like I mentioned, I, I I'll admit to having looked ahead before doing my own research, and I saw that Todd put Ebony Jam on there, and I'm like, oh. I don't think I remember that one. And then I put on in, in the slot and that tune came on. I'm like, oh, this one. Yes, mm-hmm. that's on my list. It just, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, it, it came on and I started singing it. And I'm like, I forgot that I knew this tune. And and it, it had to be on there. And after having heard Mr. Toads and realized that I might be seeing Joe Buck in the next frame, I said, that one's not going on my list. <laughs> Oh, now, now you've ruined it for me. Thanks. <laughs> um, the most and, punchable face in sports. <laughs> so, so, so my next one, I actually kind of cheated. I've got, a, I've got three listed on my, uh, my, my answer, but in a sense, yes, they're instrumentals, but they're not full tracks. I'm a huge fan of the fanfare on the first track of direct. Um, I forget what song it leads into. Is but, it uh, Matus? Mat- no, Matan no, it's Usuka? not that one. Um, okay, um, it's a fanfare. If I could actually find my iTunes, that would be helpful. Leading into now, you got me searching for it. I'm gonna. I know. <laughs> be listening to this while we're while we're recording. Um, it goes into you. You know it. So. Oh, okay. Um, 
it just starts with this timpani roll and then like the trumpet players just go in and like they they shatter glass they're just they 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 play this this rip up to this insanely high note and it's just like okay i'm listening now i will pay attention to whatever you play on the rest of this album <laughs> and uh, i'm good um the other one i have on there is the the aforementioned oakland stroke um because as much as they use it as a uh intro bumper type thing I've seen some YouTube and some live performances. I've never actually seen it myself where they actually just vamp that and open it up for tenor player of the moment. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the groove is just so infectious Mm. that it, it's, it's just, it's what the band is. Yeah. And, um, along those same lines on that TOP album, they, they actually call back to it. Um, they've got the educated bump part one and part two. Um, mm. kind of in between a couple tunes and it's it's like that what's well, it's it, the it's a sandwich for for side two which was an interesting way to go although i i can understand why you wouldn't put that before soul with a capital s on side one because it's back i mean this is back in the day when tapes, tape was yep. kind of the the pro i mean cd was a thing but tape was yeah, really see, I, I guess I, I lost that perspective because i first listened to that album on cd so mm. And then, then my number one is Squib Cakes. Just, just as Todd mentioned, the 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 original version off and back to Oakland is just so ridiculous, and and makes me want to drive off the road every time I hear it, in a good way. Um, <laughs> is there a good way for that? Yeah, and and um, you know, again, going back to that that Direct Plus album. Um, so I, I know that the Direct album is is somewhat of a, I don't know black hole in the discography, but um, they did re-release it with some previously unreleased stuff on it in, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And um, both the released and unreleased version of squib cakes that's on that album is, is really cool to me. Um, I, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of Rocco not being the bass player of the moment on that track, but yeah. um, you get to the, you get to the sax solo. And I think, it, I think it's after the, the trumpet solo, it, it kind of breaks down and, and and falls into this ethereal spacey like oh where is the time and then it turns into this tenor saxophone like almost cadenza hey i'm being emotive and then it just stops and the tenor player plays this ridiculously disgusting double time jazz run and then the whole rhythm section comes back in with a double time jazz feel and i'm like okay i'm in i dig that and then they they come back out of it to the to the original feel, and it's just oh, gets oh that was time. Lenny Pickett. Uh, was it on on direct? Yeah, because okay, so direct is a 1981 live in studio album by Tower of Power. So that's all. Okay, that's like happening in real time. Wow, yeah, I yeah, didn't know yeah. that. I, I I seem to remember hearing that. Now that you say that, I I didn't look that uh didn't didn't catch that in my current research um but one thing that i did notice was again listening to the rhythm and business album actually while i was making dinner this evening and i i'm i'm listening and as i'm putting my steak tips on the grill i hear this familiar drum groove i'm like wait wait this is squib cakes and then oh, was it wasn't Spank-a-dang? it was spangalang yeah yeah, yeah. I was like, I forgot about that one. <laughs> it's like yeah, way to cakes part two. Yeah, <laughs> way to fool your fan base. It's like, hey, yeah. this was huge for us. Let's do something just like it. Um, it's a but, retread, totally. Yeah. But it was, it, yeah, it was, it was hip for what it is. Yeah, I guess. So now those I are think my it's interesting. Favorites. 
I, I, I mean, actually, I'm just looking back at this. It's interesting that neither one of us had what is hip for our lyric songs. And and that is such a massive song. I, I, I didn't pick it, honestly, because I thought you were going to pick it. Yeah, but, uh, you know, as we get going, we may figure out where, where what is hip falls. Because, uh, I mean, there's no denying that is kind of... Mm, foreshadowing. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and and remind me, which which of the selections you gentlemen made is the one that qualifies for a Fox Sports theme? Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Okay, mm. I'll, I'll I'll have to listen to that one and see if I can pick that up because that when you said that I'm like oh that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's a sports anthemic kind of song. I like it. <laughs> it is and it isn't. All right, all at the same time. All right, all right. Well, gentlemen, we've hit the lyrical songs. We've hit the instrumental songs. There is only uh, one bit of business uh, left in terms of covering the discography before we move into some other uh, interesting categories. But uh, top five albums. Uncle, uh, actually, Uncle Todd went first last time. I will now uh, give uh, 15 seconds as debate moderator to uh, Mr. Jim. No, oh. kidding. Go ahead. Oh, we're not doing this in snake. Excuse me, I'm speaking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no excuse me. It's just I'm speaking. <laughs> Uncle Todd, I'm speaking. Sir Jim, uh, take it away. So th- this is where we're going to see that as scary as it may be for me, that Todd and I are um, similar thinkers. Um <laughs> Because we're going to have we're, we're going to have some 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 definite overlap here, um, but as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in my my Desert Island top five um, of albums for Tower Power, definitely I, I would have to put Back to Oakland in there um, mm. again, just because it that that entire album, the first time I heard it, I was just like, this is unreal, and I, I can't say enough about it. If if I'm going to listen to anything from Tower of Power, this is definitely on the list. And I feel much the same way about the album Urban Renewal. Just again, like like Todd mentioned, and as I said before, that it's just like a however many tracks there are on the album, that that many course fine dinner. It's just the band cooking on all cylinders and and mm. being in their prime. And then the 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 album that really kind of took me down the rabbit hole of Tower of Power. I I have to include T.O.P. Even though. As I did more research on the album, it appeared to be recorded in a time that they may have been shy a saxophone player, um, because the, <laughs> the personnel the, the personnel listing um, doesn't give official credit to a lead tenor player, but they're like, "Hey, remember our good buddy Lenny Pickett? He's going to play yeah. solos on all these tracks." So um, was it recorded you know, in New York? Because I'm I'm guessing that might have been why. Like Lenny, can you come down? These guys can't blow. Can you just can you just do all those solos? <laughs> Or, or he may have been in, in, in California for a week and they were like, uh, we need help. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but again, that, that's the one that, that sent me on my deep dive into, into tower of power. So I've got to include that one. And then mm. the other two that are on there are, are newer albums, Oakland zone as in Oakland zone, not Oakland's <laughs> own. Um, but it is Oakland's own in the Oakland zone. There we exactly. Go. Which is a direct callback to that, that jam that we keep talking about the Oakland stroke. And mm-hmm. um, it's a newer album, but it's definitely got an older feel to it. Um, mm. And and the lineup on the band save for a couple people, maybe, maybe one person in the horn section. Um, it, it's potentially my favorite lineup of the band in recent times. Because it's, uh, if I remember correctly, it's Larry Bragg singing, and yep. uh, and Tommy P playing lead tenor, who oh, is yeah. just a ridiculous tenor player. 
And he actually plays clarinet on a tune, which the first time I heard it, I had to stop and go, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing clarinet. Something I'm like, get mixed badly. Okay. And I'm like, okay, you know what? When you got it, flaunt it. Um, uh, yeah. So, and, and you know, I, I, I'm a huge Roger Smith fan as well. And he just, I think well, actually, and to go back to Tommy P, you know, yeah. to, to quote, to quote a good friend of ours, man, he plays everything in the rack. Plays everything in the rack, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Dave, Dave Sauer, always, always in our hearts. Always in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> and and the other one that's on there uh, on my top five is Soul Side of Town. And Todd, correct me, is is Larry still singing on Soul Side or is that Marcus? I forget. No, that is Marcus and Ray Green. It's a it's it's Ray. Oh, it's that's Ray right. Green, Ray that's Green, Marcus, right. and Emilio. Right. So I, forgot Ray, I forgot Ray was on a couple tracks on that, but, um, yeah. you know, not only, like you said earlier, not only is Soul Side of Town arguably one of their top five albums of all time, um, but Marcus Scott is one of the top five singers in the band of all time. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, you and I both saw him live and I, I, I he took the band to another level. Um, mm-hmm. I had never heard the band sound as good. I mean, they always sounded fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it was really neat to see them live. Um, oh, nice! Had to get that one in there. Sorry, but um, <laughs> with with him fronting the band, and, and I don't know if he was missing a one of the parts of his anatomy or what, but to be able to sing the tenor parts that he was singing <sighs> with the power that he was doing, and, and the whole band was just like, "All right, this guy's bringing us up. We're going with him." And uh, it, it was, as a singer, it's disgusting to listen to, but also just awe inspiring. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, again, one of my favorite lineups of the band and just a really, really solid contribution with good songwriting. And just, I, I yeah, they're still doing it 52 years later. Mm-hmm. Nice. That was, and that was album was released their 50th anniversary year. <laughs> Five zero, wow! And and releasing an album that not only was like one of their best, but like rep actually fit well into like modern R and B. It wasn't like yeah. ACDC kind of doing like, hey, this this is the same thing we've always done. This is like, hey, we're actually doing what we've always done, but we're also progressing. It's remarkable, yeah. remarkable, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to see with these bands, you know, especially in the you know the latter phase of their career, lifespan, whatever you want to call it, just just the 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 way they can still crank it out at 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 a, at a level that you know you, you can't tell that their you know that their age is taking its toll still. You know what I mean? It's just you know it's still the the quality you would expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, Uncle Todd. Top five, well, and and I'm going to preface this by saying that it, to 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 bring it back to Office Space, I celebrate their entire catalog. So it, this is this is not a living document. This is like very much like Sophie's Choice or something. I I, I had a hard time with this, and and eventually I just went with my gut on on what were my f- top five right now. Uh, I had a hard and, time and with it too. Don't feel bad. Okay, good. Uh, so East Bay Grease, first one. 
and and always just because again it is kind of the uncut gem that was going to become Tower of Power and there was there was some pieces missing but again I've I've mentioned it's one of to me the, like the most remarkable album that in 19 like 69 it's it was mixed this well and done this well and when I when I went to rec- when we went to uh, Mama's Boom Shack, my my band went to record our album. This was one of the things that I sent to the engineer producer who was going to work with us, and I was like, I want it to sound like this, and this is when it was recorded. And he he took that and ran with it, literally to like, hey, this is how they recorded horn sections in 1969, and this is how we're going to record. I'm like, oh wow, nice. he is taking this serious. Okay, uh, but I mean, a six song slab. Of, of just music and uh, has a classic song on it knock yourself out which then became something totally different it's a it's a much slower version of the song that then became knock yourself out which was on a, a live album in the mid 70s which was a 20 some odd minute epic which was like 12 13 14 15 minutes of just Lenny Pickett just blowing and then the other part of it was there was a little bit of lyrics and then Chester Thompson just going off in in various weird almost Pink Floydish directions uh which was amazing uh but just such great tunes on this and and uh I mean you have uh you have songs like Social Lubrication The Price and Back on the Streets which to me were all very much like reflecting on on life urban life and 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 what's what it's like and to me that still reflects like the idea of social lubrication like people getting by and self-medicating and and doing what they have to do just to get through day by day that's still going on you know um and then finishing up with this beautiful love song called sparkling in the sand which is awesome because it it features you know this this wonderful flute solo and when i saw tower power in brooklyn back in october 2019 you know back when you could actually be around people and see live music uh, they played this song and it was gorgeous i mean tom pollitzer freaking knocked the living crap out of that flute solo and it's not very often that you you would put a flute solo in those terms and say someone quote knocked the crap out of it, but he did. And 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 the skunk and the goose of fly, which is just a fun song, uh, just a great album. After that, we get into uh, in the slot, which holds a, a little bit of a, a, a special place for me because after the Tom Bowes era of Tower Power, they went to this guy named Brent Carter, who is a, a great. Uh, well, not great. He was a, he was a really good lead singer. For whatever reason, he always reminded me a little bit of Eric LaSalle from ER. I don't know why. He just did. But, but, but very good lead singer. And when they went from Tombos to uh, to Brent Carter, they all of a sudden started playing a lot of older stuff. And and in particular, like I remember the first concert I went to with him as a lead singer they did like three cuts off in the slot and I'm like where did this come from and I went back and I found the album like oh my gosh this is flipping amazing um, so that's that album has always kind of it's just after that Tower of Power kind of sweet spot of, of Tower Power uh, back to Oakland uh, Urban Renewal is the album after that so it's just after that sweet spot but I still think it has a very a very special place it has some great songs on it oh my gosh like a oh uh, just enough uh and too much um oh what else is there there's a, a treat me like your man which is a great song as surely as i stand here which to me is one of the greatest 
love songs that they have ever done. And this is a band that has specialized in ballads and great ballads. But to me, as surely as I stand here, is one of the best ballads they've ever done. Uh, so that alone almost earned it a spot on on my uh, top five. Soul Side of Town, uh, Marcus Scott, and just the, oh my gosh. I, I can't say enough about that album. Again, at 50 years to do something that is that good and that relevant to what R&B soul music is doing at that time and also calling back to its roots. I, I If you can listen to that album and be like, meh, we just don't need to know each other. I'm sorry. <laughs> we just we don't need to know each other. Uncle that, you know, not you, interested. You do you, I'll do me, but we don't probably need to know each other. And then uh, we get into uh, Oakland Zone, which uh, holds a special place for me because I when I uh, when I was living uh, a very kind of turbulent time in my life, and I was I was basically surviving off of two. Uh, uh, well, okay, so I had a I had a I had a car that had a four disc changer which is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard of. I've heard of like a single CD changer and then the six disc changer. This had a four disc changer. I have no idea why. Two of the albums I lived off of during this turbulent time in my life were a mixed CD I made of Mighty Mighty Boston songs and Tower Power Oakland Zone. One of those two albums was always playing in that car. I might as well have just made a copy of each one and had the entire four disc player just with those songs, just with those albums. And I listened to this album over and over and over again. And whether it was, you know, uh, just, man, any of the songs, but to me, one of the, my favorite songs, and it did make the cut, which is, I, I'm now thinking is absolutely ridiculous. How did I miss the song? But Pocket Full of Soul, which I, I would love to have done that with Mama's Boom Shack, but everyone would have hated me because it would have required so much work because it is such a, I can't even imagine how you play that song. I've never heard them do it live, and I'm sure that's the reason why. They're like, you you really want to work on that? I don't. Is that the <laughs> one that has the random snare hit to start the tune? Uh, no. Well, it's not a random snare hit. It's like this. Oh, my gosh. It's I can't. I'm like, I don't even know where one is. And I started yeah. counting. I mean, oh, I, I only ask because I remember there's a there's a tune on that album that just starts with this snare crack. And there was one point shortly after you and I were done with college that Tower was here and our friend Alan Chase got to go interview the band. And he asked Garibaldi, he's like, where is that snare hit? Because <laughs> no, like you hear that hit and then the band yeah. comes in and you, you try to time it. And it's just like, it, it it's no, it, it's somewhere just oh, here. I want to say that's, um, uh, that's, uh, is it page one? No, that doesn't ring a bell. Um, or is it a back in the day? I think it, it might be back in the day. Anyway, oh, man. but it, it was just, I, I it, it was just, about, it yeah. was a funny story where, where, where Alan in, in, in his own way, you know, I could see him asking Garibaldi like, so at the beginning of that tune, <laughs> where does that snare hit fall? Oh my gosh, I can hear his voice. Get it out of my head. <laughs> Next he's going to be telling me to like clean up my locker. Ah! <laughs> um also actually uh, leading into like other other um uh, you you better back off on those. They're high in fat. Uh, so but uh in terms of like timing, like I remember Chris Humphrey for for ever just extolling the virtues of the late kind of snare hit on you're still a young man 
Oh yeah. Oh, it's so in, so back on the beat. Oh yeah. And, and <laughs> rewinding like eighteen times, and I'm like, I get it. It's hip. Can we hear the rest of the song now, please? <laughs> <laughs> I can see him doing. That. Check this out. But but at the same time, now I I would totally do that to anybody else. I'm like, oh okay. I I've now Who hit that wouldn't? point in my life. Well, yeah. <laughs> Anyone with taste. Um, so uh, did I get through? No. Uh, so one more. Tower Power. Self-titled. Third album. Uh, again, and Jim has talked about it. It has all, I mean, So Very Hard to Go is their highest charting single ever. Uh, it was a great ballad. But it, the, the album starts off with What is Hip, which is one of the songs that if you're a bass player, you dread anyone ever calling this out in a rehearsal <laughs> or anything else because you know what you're you are now going to work your ass off because it is an incredibly tough song to play mm. it's just all notes and it's all just perfect uh and then you get into i mean oh my gosh i mean what else is there on that album i mean it's that album is is i mean you got uh oh this time it's real uh get your feedback on the ground of course one of my favorite so very hard to go soul vaccination clean slate which to me is one of those you don't you don't necessarily ever hear like straight up piano on a tower power album it's it's usually like uh in organ you know kind of funky b3 sort of thing or you know you get into the 90s and synth this one actually has like a legit piano part on it and it's cool as hell but yeah that that album to me was just one of those things like oh yes and now tower power it's like it's like you know now witness the power of this fully functional battle station sort of thing like it's that was they were ready to blow up alderaan at that point before that it was kind of like oh we're still fiddling with some things now it's like okay here they are you know oh man fantastic album and hearing you say that just makes me hang my head in shame even more given that it was the first album i bought and i was like yeah whatever (laughs) well i can see that because the first time i listened to bump city i was like this is so inferior compared to east bay greece and and back to oakland and it took me a while going back to East Bay to that to that Bump City album and going oh wow man like yeah you know uh, you know uh, you strike my main nerve is on that you got to funkifies is on that like uh-huh. oh my gosh how did I how did I not you know like these songs and then I mean you even get into um uh, oh my gosh uh, I got to go back and look at this find out what it's called um uh, Flash in the Pan which is like a straight up kind of blues number yep which was oh my gosh it was so good and was then, it fantastic and then of course, I don't, uh, yes it was fantastic everything is fantastic <laughs> the Tower of Power you strike my main nerve I mean come on I mean oh my gosh I, and, and the first time I listened to that I'm like meh yeah I, I want to go back in time just to smack my whatever age self was that meh that and be like, are you dumb? You know, like the like almost like the old Biff Tan and, you know, smacking around the young Biff Tan. Like, <laughs> you know what you got? <laughs> that sort of thing. So you mentioned that, that, that it's so rare to have just piano in a Tower of Power tune. A- mm-hmm. And I may as well take my ring off because... Um, in my top five favorite songs, I did not include my wedding song, which has oh, a piano boy. solo in it. Oh, boy. And Wait a minute. Now, now, has your wife ever listened to the podcast? She laughs at it, but I, don't, I can't say she's ever listened to it. Well, damn, she's ahead of our wife. I, I was so just never- going to say. <laughs> 
Uh, wow. But but yeah, my, my wedding song was Unconditional Love off of Rhythm, Rhythm and Business. Oh, yeah. Great tune. Great tune. And actually, that does have a little bit. Now, we told the DJ piano. to it's fade like... when the piano solo started, though. So, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it is like a six and a half minute song. It's like unconditional yeah, yeah. love. Like, OK, this goes on a little too long. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, a sentimental like dancing in the dorm room. And then when we actually were like, hey, let's use that as our wedding song. And we we're like, oh, wait a minute. It's yeah. six minutes long. Uh, OK, let's figure that out. As as someone who's played some weddings, there's nothing worse than that song that people are like. No, we want the whole song. Like that's like seven minutes. No, you don't. No one wants to watch you dance. No, for seven you minutes. don't. We will do a verse and a chorus, and then we will end the song, and you will be ever so happy that we did. Yeah, because number one, you're gonna realize everyone's looking at you, and then at a certain point, they're not looking at you, and they're all chatting, and you're just sitting there like, "What's the point of this?" And if the bar is open, that's where they are. Yes. Oh, yeah. Including half the band members. If they're like, you know what? I could probably sneak away. <laughs> I I haven't got an important part for a while. Nice. Or maybe that's just the bands I've been in. I don't know. No, uh, it's not. OK, good to know. <laughs> so that's my top five. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, now that we've closed out that business, now, now we move on to some of the more uh, nuanced categories. And as we had discussed prior with Rush, not every band, as much as we fawn over them or are passionate about them, are perfect. Uh, there are uh, some, some areas uh, that were like, huh? What was going on there? But uh, Missed Marks. What up with that? What, uh, what up with that? Um <laughs> Some missed marks here. So uh, we will start, uh, Uncle Todd, on your missed marks for uh, Tower of Power. I'm not going to go with individual songs. I'll, I'll go with the albums just to try and keep this somewhat brief. Uh, but there was an album called Back on the Streets, not to be confused with the song Back on the Streets. Uh, Back on the Streets, the album was released in 1979. And... It is very much a, a, a disco-ish album, as, as everything was in the late 1970s. I mean, you could get away with it, you know. I mean, even Kiss had a freaking disco song, so it infected everywhere. It was, it was actually probably more infectious than COVID, let's be honest. Damn! Wait, too soon? Um, and uh, so that was kind of a eh, sort of album, and it didn't feature Rocco, which is always uh, kind of a... Yeah. Oh, is that boy, like an immediate a... demerit when you don't have Rocco? Well, the thing is, Rocco, Rocco is uh, so Rocco Prestia, Francis Rocco Prestia was the bass player for Tower Power, and his style helped define what the Tower of Power sound is. Everything that revolves around Tower Power kind of flows in a way back to su to some part of it. It's either Doc's kind of the horn scoops and the and the percussive part of what he's uh, of what he's doing as a horn player, or David Garibaldi's drumming, or Rocco's bass playing. And I'd say Rocco's bass playing is arguably more important than Garibaldi's drumming because they've had other drum players who locked in just fine with Rocco. Rocco's bass playing was just so different from how anyone else played funk. Hmm. It was so busy. You wouldn't think that you could do that and play that many notes and have it groove, and yet it did. But it was um, busy with taste. Yes. It, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I've played with all kinds of bass players from the simplest to the busiest. And while Rocco is playing every single note that he could possibly play 
It's done mm-hmm. with the utmost of taste and sensibility to the music. And it's clear and it's very obvious when he's not on that album. Mm. And, and it's it'd be just because, like you said, he, he contributes so much to the style and the sound of the band. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it, it's almost like, like he's working his tail off, but you don't necessarily know that he's there, yes. which to me is the sign, the sign of a f- amazing bass player. Yes. Yeah. I, like, I often, uh, so the, the bass player from Mama's Boom Shack, John Burse, who to me is still one of the best bass player. It, it, well, it's the best bass player I've ever played with. And I told him once, I was like, you're like wallpaper. I, you don't notice until you really start paying attention to what you're doing, but you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, what's that bass player doing? Because yeah. it, you're just grooving and you're locking in. But then if you really pay attention, all of a sudden you're like, ooh, that was tasty. And it's kind of the same with Rocco. Like he, he it, you didn't, he didn't call attention to himself. He didn't need to. It was just part of the of the of the overall sound. And then, but then, if you break it down, like uh, I'll post this in the show notes. But there's a video of him playing with. It's just him, Garibaldi, guitar player. Uh, I believe it was Jeff Tamalier, and yep. Lenny Pickett. Yep. And you you strip away the horn and the and the horns and the and the keys and everything else, so you can really hear the bass. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh. Yep. That's the sound. That's the foundation of everything. Yeah. And so when you don't have him, I mean, it's like it's always going to be a lesser product. It really is. So that that album gets a few demerits there. And of course, being a disco album, of course, the the two exceptions to that are uh, they did a cover of the song Nowhere to Run, which is a f- I actually think it's a really great cover. Uh, and they and they, this is a band that does very few covers, uh, if any, really. I mean, they they did when they did uh, the Great American Soul book, they kind of went back and did some old kind of soul tunes, and then they would occasionally work those into the live set. But they've really never been a cover band at all for anything. And so to do a cover on this album was kind of a bit of a, a cool thing. And one of those things, I'm like, how did I never find this song before? Um, and then of course you know it, which it ends up being a kind of a. a a staple of their live show that's kind of come and gone through the set list through the years, but it's always kind of a, a fun sort of like clap along song, upbeat kind of fun thing. Uh, so it's always been there. So with the exception of those two songs, though, that's that album is, eh, uh, it's an album. <laughs> that's that's about it. Um, and then of course uh, the the 1987 Power album, which I mean is good because. It, it really started the comeback trail for Tower of Power, which is I'll always be grateful for. However, not their strongest outing. And again, uh, doesn't have Rocco. So that's a demerit right there. Uh, that's a paddling. And, um, <laughs> and uh, which is unfortunate because All right, it that's, also f- that's how we're going to rate these. How many? Yeah. That's a paddling's. <laughs> that's a paddling. That's a Yeah. And it, but it featured Ellis Hall, who is a who is a lead singer, uh, keyboard player, um, who is fantastic. I mean, he's a he's one of those guys, that, it, like a Stevie Wonder sort of person, where you're like, you've got a double jointed voice. I don't know how you make your voice do those things, but it pisses me off and amazes me all at the same time. Uh, but uh, not the strongest of material for Ellis and the boys to be working with. Uh, the, the exception being the song "Credit," which is a song that uh, I believe is one of the only. One of two, like actually official Tower of Power music videos that have ever been produced. They did Wait, one they, in 1987. They have videos? 
What? Yeah, and you can only find it, and what? it's like it's like the poorest like video quality possible. So it's it wasn't even good by like eighty seven standards. Like it, you can barely tell what's happening. I'm looking that but, up right now. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Enjoy. Back it. Enjoy. In nineteen tickety. All right. Damn you, old man. In all of its <laughs> pixelated glory, uh, but with the exception of that song, it really it was a it's a kind of forgettable album. Uh, but it. Well, but I'm again, glad I didn't notable. get to listen to it. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot to send that to you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sad trombone. All right, uh, hey. but those are really my miss marks because I uh, otherwise I like I, I I find something good about all of these albums. There's always some sort of thing that I can kind of you know grab onto. Those are the ones where I'm like, kind of the more egregious misses for me. All right. Very good. Very good. And uh, Jim, what do you got for missed marks? So like Todd, I, I, there's always something on these albums that you can hang your hat on or you can leave your hat on even. Um, oh, and bring Joe Cocker in there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to definitely agree with him on back on the streets and, and all of his exceptions. I will absolutely agree with, but um, I'm actually going to lump the disco era albums into a missed marks category, which yeah. includes ain't no stopping us. Now we came to play. And back on the streets now. Clearly, like Todd said, they're they're looking, they're looking for some sort of hook to grab the disco audience. And on "Ain't No Stopping Us Now," the 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 syrupy string section on almost every track just screams uh, like, "I will survive!" Yeah. Like, just now, oh my gosh! Even like live strings, or was that a was that a synth string sort of thing? That was the time when they were hiring live string sections in the studio. So that's a lot of money to spend on crappy strings, (laughs) but that's when musicians got paid. Uh, So, Uh, um, you know, and and on ain't no stopping us now. I, the, the exceptions that I had were um, you ought to be slaughter. And as a trombone player, the trombone solo on while we went to the moon. Um, Wait a minute. Those, those are two different songs. So you ought to be having, no, wait a minute. You, is that what you ought to be having fun? Okay. And then can't uh, slaughter. Is it is it called that or is it? No, it's not called slaughter. I yeah. I, I I abbreviated, and now that I'm numerous beverages uh, in, um, can't stand to see the slaughter. Which yes, actually that is a great track. It is. It's I, awesome. Yeah. It, it's and and as and a actually one player, of the one of the best Tower Power album covers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and as a trombone player, I have a soft spot for the trombone solo on "While We Went to the Moon," uh, mm. and we can talk about the role of trombone in "Tower of Power." And as a trombone player, I don't think it belongs, but maybe oh, that's another topic really? for another time. Um, hmm. And uh, we came to play the album, um, the title track, absolutely great. Having go- gone back and revisited it, the uh, the first track is is the title track, and it starts with this this drum beat and i'm like that ain't garibaldi <laughs> and sure enough after some research it wasn't and then you get to the second track and it's i mean it's the the disco hi hat open on the every offbeat i'm just like oh my gosh make it stop and i, I mean oh, ronnie i love that tune dude I, I i i couldn't get past the the I, I couldn't get past the hi hat, and and I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it again because if you love it, then there's something to it. But man, Ronnie Beck, just like, dude, can we have David back, please? 
So it was, it was painful for me to listen to at times and back on the streets. So, you know, that, that disco era was kind of the missed mark for the band for me. Interesting. Interesting. Fair enough. Hey, that's an area rush never got into was disco. <laughs> that's, that's actually remarkable. <laughs> that is remarkable. Against the disco virus. Was that a, is that a Canadian thing? Like disco never made it North of the border. Yeah. You know, they probably filtered it out before it got there and just, just <laughs> it's a just syrup. Never, yeah. Just never made it through. Um, they 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 did have their their keyboard synth era, which I think they got in a little more of the you know new wave kind of style, but but no, but, mm-hmm. but not disco for some reason. So interesting, weird. Well, and it's interesting that for both of you, you know, it kind of centered around that right. That era um, is is the one that I think you both are a little kind of like ah, yeah. Understand. I mean, it was, and, and interestingly, I think I, I don't think David Garibaldi was playing drums on Back on the Streets, so it would have been a different drummer and a different bass player that didn't contribute uh, to the sound that everybody had known. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a big difference. That's a big difference, I'm sure. I, now, let me see. I'm actually going to research this. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see. Well, that's okay, because you went first for the last category, so I'm going to oh, jump no, over. No, Dave, David played drums on, on Back on the Streets. So He did. Oh. But he played synth drum wow. as well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the many reactions of Uncle Todd. Ah, <laughs> I I can't stand electronic drums of any kind. All right, <sighs> hidden gems, the only, gentlemen. The Hit- only reason you should play electronic drums is if you're missing an arm, which basically gives the guy from Def Leppard an exception and nobody else. Hey, they sounded pretty good for the uh, opener of Street Hawk. Remember that show? You're- you really want to hang your hat on that one, sir? That was a great theme, man. Come on now. They did that show didn't even make it out of the first season. Oh, the show didn't, but the song is timeless. <laughs> Timelessly bad. Oh, come on, oh, man. Wow. Is <laughs> good and horrible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, uh, yeah. See what I have to deal with, Jim, every episode. <laughs> hidden, hidden, hidden gems, shall we? Oh, why not? Things you were not expecting. So uh, we will start with uh, who went first last time? Uncle Todd, I think. I think Uncle Todd did. No, I don't. Yeah, he did. Who. He, he, I don't. Todd he did. First. Okay. So Jim, why okay. don't you get and start us off on this one? So hidden gems. I didn't necessarily take as things you weren't expecting, but just something that you. Well, yeah, okay, maybe I was. Maybe it's just something you you forgot about or something that you should check out that most people wouldn't tell you to. And perhaps it's a sentimental favorite, but I, I put the entire Monster on a Leash album on there. I, I had forgotten or did not know that this was considered a somewhat of a comeback album for the band. But um, even though it's down a David Garibaldi and has added a Russ McKinnon in the drum chair, mm. it's a seriously solid contribution. And as about 1989 or 1991 as it can be, um, <laughs> while still paying homage to the roots and the the origin of the band. And I, I really enjoy the album. And I think it's something that folks should check out just as something that you may not expect. So I guess maybe a hidden gem of something you weren't expecting falls true. Nice. Yeah. It's got so many great songs on it. it I mean, a little knowledge <laughs> is a dangerous thing. Is a the great dumb stuff. song. 
Oh, I I keep hoping that someday I'll hear that live, but I've uh, it's it's probably never gonna happen. No. But oh my gosh, great tune. Believe it. Yep. Uh, great tune. And and I mean, how could this happen to me? Is is a great ballad. Oh yeah. Um, attitude dance, like you you mentioned. Uh, who do you think you are? Great, another great tune. I mean, oh my gosh, there's so many really good tunes on there. Miss Trouble got a lot of nerve. I don't know why, yep. but that one sticks out to me as another one. Uh, and then of course you got Lee uh, Lee Thornburg. You got Thorny singing on Keep a Monster, Keep Your Monster on a Leash. Yep. It's it's also oh. one of the few um, recorded solos of the Funky Doctor, and I can't remember which track it's on, but it's it's towards the end. I want to say it's. Yes. Uh, it, it might be someone new, um, and and I, I'm not 100% sure if it's an improvised solo or if he's just playing some sort of funky bass line on his Barry Sax, but mm. um, it, it's it's him featured not out front like Squib Cakes, but in the middle of a tune. Which is an oddity, really is. I mean, it, it, he just, he never wanted to, never wants to take a solo. Nope. And I mean, he, and I think on the first East Bay Grease, he's actually credited with backing vocals. I don't know if he's ever credited again with any vocals. I've never seen him with a vocal mic live. No, never, never. Like, and, and not even like a, you know, like, hey, I'm going to talk to the crowd or anything. And even when you're, if you get a chance to talk with him, you know, as a fan walking up to him, not exactly the most chatty cat you're going to find. I, I think he's just happy being known as the guy with the hat. Yeah, which is great. I love that. I love that about yep. him. Uh, I guess, uh, well, I guess for me, uh, I'll go back to Nowhere to Run on the uh, Back to the Streets album, uh, which is a, kind of an unexpected surprise because I was I saw that, that song and I'm like, huh, I wonder what that is. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I know this song. It's totally different than what I thought, but yeah. Um, and then Funk the Dumb Stuff off Monster on a Leash, which is uh, an Emilio song, which was one of the first Emilio songs I ever heard, which I was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, it was great. And because, of course, I was in high school, I'm like, <laughs> funk the dumb stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, it's it's almost naughty. <laughs> you know, That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a very, it was a very Beavis and Butthead <laughs> sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said funk the dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm actually, this is a, I, I don't mean to, to do a retort to uh, to Mr. Mr. Jim here, but uh, I, I'm going to take two hidden gems off We Came to Play uh, with Yin Yang Thang. Which to me, I just always I love that tune. I don't know why, but I actually I I I do dig the second tune, which Jim did not like, uh, which is "Loving You Is Gonna See Me Through." I just I I really just appreciate it because the song moves like, and of course, it's disco is all hell. I know, I know, but the thing that we all have to come to grips with, even if we don't like disco, is uh, there's a reason... The rationalization. Here we go. There's a reason why <laughs> disco went everywhere. Because that beat, like just something about that... kind of Drugs? No, sorry. Well, I mean, yeah, the cocaine did help. Well, it also it also made the white guy dance rule a lot easier to achieve, where you had to keep one foot off the floor at all times. Well, yeah, there's that too. And you never really had to worry about where one was. It always was very clear. So, you know, but something about that song, I'm like, it just cooks. It just cooks. I just like it. And, and you know, I mean, Lenny Pickett was still with the band. Chester Thompson was still with the band. So it was it was close enough that I could convince myself, well, we're still in the classic Tower of Power, you know, sort of era, right? 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 
No, not really. But still, I I, I like. All right, I'll give songs. it another chance. I'll go back and listen to it again and see what I think. Actually, here's what you need to do. You need to listen to that song while you're driving. If you're driving down, like if you're driving down a road, I you... was driving when I was listening to it. Really? Oh man, I don't yes. know what I don't know what's wrong with you. Then I'm sorry. Maybe I need to re EQ my radio so that hi hat doesn't pierce my ears. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I don't know why you you've done that, but okay, uh... sure. Good. So there you go. All right, so th- so those are your hidden gems, my friend. Yes, sir. All right, very nice, very nice. All right, now we get to an interesting category here, the dream, and this is one that that, that I could not apply to, to to the band that I like because it's been the same three for you know for for uh, the the extent of the band's existence. Yeah, it's like a ZZ Top dream lineup. Right? I, well, I, I guess I'll take those three guys. I just want to say I I went over to uh, good old Wikipedia. And uh, I'm looking at Tower Power, and I love the fact that there's a section. Oh, they have that chart called timeline that looks like a histogram from science class. Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed that as we were recording. I'm like, damn, someone took some time on this. There is that uh, was some serious research there. I am telling you, there there is a an extensive uh, extensive lineup of individuals. Uh, well, da- then you got some guys like there's a, there's this one guy like uh, oh where I just lost him. Shoot, it was like Harper, Mark Harper. I'm like, who the hell is that? Who? I again, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> who? I mean, and I ep- I look at this list and I I'm, I'm looking at the list of quarterbacks in fantasy football here. I mean, it's 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 a long <laughs> list right here. It's like, oh, no. oh my Th- goodness, this is. This is like looking at like a 19, early 1990s Patriots quarterbacks when it was like you could have they might have started six guys in one season. You know, oh. one like two days after they Who picked is- them up. Mark Harper was a, he was a guitar player uh, and it was like 2006, 2006 to 2010. Yeah, I I have no clue who that what? dude is. No clue. <laughs> So, yeah. so, wow. so, okay. so for our listeners, where, where we're going with all this, <laughs> we, we have a category called Dream Lineup. Uh, that, that is right. We are taking uh, Tower of Power and we're applying it into the fantasy draft realm uh, where the gentleman here will, will basically explain their top fantasy draft of Tower of Power with Emilio, Doc, David Garibaldi, and Rocco as keepers. So you have four yeah. to start with. You now have to round out the group. Gentlemen, I am waiting to hear your responses. Uncle Todd Stare. All right. Well, so the obvious pick here, uh, well, I think there's two obvious picks. I mean, uh, Lenny Pickett, LP, who is uh, the, the lead tenor player from the classic Tower Power era uh, and who is, uh, I mean, you don't get much better than him. You don't get, he is the Jimi Hendrix of the of the Tower Power lead tenor players. That's it. He was so innovative and just amazing. And he was like 18 when he started in the band. And he has the Lenny Pickett dance and he has all of those weird things that he could manage to do in the circular breathing and the, like all the echoey stuff that he did on, on the Knock Yourself Out um, uh, version of Knock Yourself Out that's on Live in a Living Color and all of that. And, and he's currently the... Um the 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 lead the music director for Saturday Night Live. So when you hear that song at the end of Saturday Night Live, which is like fugue and whatever, I forget what it's called. That's Lenny Pickett blowing his ass off, and you can just listen to that and go, "Damn, that dude is really good." Yeah, well, that's just him blowing over some blues. Imagine him playing something else, and just let your mind just explode. Mm -hmm. Uh, So LP is almost, to me, it it was almost like he should be a keeper, but then you have Tom Pollitzer, who's been around now for, I mean, God knows how long. 
Um, At least 10 years now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's another guy who's been around, and he's top-notch as well. But uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, so if I had to have LP, LP would definitely be it. But if I had to go for a second one, because it's almost a keeper, I actually like uh, a Norbert Satchel, who, number one, fantastic yes. name. Oh, my goodness. Sounds Lord. like something from the 18th century. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because that's, that's a name you're not going to forget. And uh, he was around. I want to just – he didn't make – I don't think he was on Rhythm and Business uh, he might have just no, been on he, sold he out. He came in after Rhythm and Business. He was on the uh, he was on the Soul Vaccination live album. Well, no, I thought he was on it. He was on one of their their uh, their studio albums as well. I want to say I don't think so because he came in after um, Johnny Saxophone Player from oh, yeah. Rhythm and Business. Johnny Sax Hero, I remember. <laughs> yep, Johnny Scarpula. Oh my gosh, that dude! I looked mean, looked like straight off straight off the Jersey Shore. Oh, it was like he used Crisco in his hair. I don't know what's going yep. on there. He was highly flammable. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, but Norbert, I, I liked him because he had this funk edge, but was also very much like a jazz player. He he uh, made his made his name playing with Boz Skaggs. Okay, he was he just had a different approach to it. And I really appreciated yep. that. And it was it was a it was a change going from you know Johnny Sax hero and before him, uh, who was the other guy? Steve Grove for uh, yep. Monster on a Leash. Uh, yep. He was just an interesting cat, and I I really liked his playing. And uh, and I remember when I saw him live, he had the the balding mullet sort of thing going with the long hair in uh-huh. the back and the and the bald spot. And I'm like, dude, just just bick it. It's it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> It's okay, but he was wearing like he was embrace like, the baldness. <laughs> he was wearing like the Sonny Bono like like fur like vest as well. Where I'm like, when did that seem like a good decision? But you know what? You do you. Oh gosh! And he was also like a good like eight inches shorter than everyone else in the horn line. Yep. Which I'm like, oh my yep. gosh! But at the same time, I was like, hey, maybe I can play with Tower of Power because he's about my height. But I always, I always liked uh, Norbert a lot. Uh, then going into uh, kind of the the trumpet uh, territory, uh, Mick Gillette. I always. Uh, I like the fact that number one, you get kind of the the trombone trumpet uh, poo poo platter, uh, a variety because I've always I, I've always prized versatility in in music. I like people who can do different things, whether it's a band that I'm putting together, even a band that I just appreciate. So I always like Mick Gillette, and also he's the guy who come who came up with the the term squib cakes. So that's got to earn you a little bit of something, something. Uh, okay, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Okay. And uh, and then Lee Thornburg because I mean number one, the dude could the dude could blow. He he had chops. Uh, he could also he could also sing. So again, a, another guy who could do a couple things. So he could carry a lead song for you if you wanted. And the mullet. The mullet, the the <laughs> the mullet game and the facial hair game was top notch with Lee, just fantastic. Uh, then we need to have a, an organ keyboard player, so of course Chester Thompson, CT, yeah. uh, master of the B three. Although Roger Smith, the guy they have with him now, is really good as well. Jeff Tamalier was. Uh, probably my favorite guitar player i i just i've really i don't know what it was about what he did he he just managed to fit in with the groove and then also when it came time for him to shine whoo, he could shine and then after that um i just lost my place and then for the vocalist uh and this is one of those things where they've had some really great vocalists they've had some guys who are like eh, oh okay they're they're a singer and um 
and, and the most recent guy that they had before their their current singer, who is also one of their past singers, uh, Mr. Marcus Scott, who is one of the most remarkable singers I have ever seen live, ever. And I'll just tell this little. A uh, little bit of a of a story. So I uh, ba- referring back again to going to see these guys down in Brooklyn, and I'm glad I did because now Marcus is no longer with the band, and it was an amazing show. And literally at the point where for about half of the show, I could have rested my elbows on the stage as I'm watching this. Freaking amazing! At one point, they go into a James Brown medley. Marcus jumps off the stage which is the first thing I thought was, oh, his knees, he's not going to like that. He's a young man. Wait till he hits 40. That ain't going to be funny anymore. Uh, but that the stage is a good four, three and a half, four feet high. Jumps off the stage and is singing and dancing in the crowd for the remainder of that medley. And he was such a great showman, but an incredible vocalist as well. Nice. Oh, my gosh. Just the total package and uh and he shines on the last two tower power albums that would be the guy i'd go for because he uh, to me just top to bottom that's that is a front man right there very nice now i can't assess whether this is uh on the level of your current fantasy team or something above and beyond that but uh... oh come on now (laughs) i'm much better selecting this than i am fantasy football players You can trust me on this one. <laughs> Don't trust me on my fantasy football players pick. Oh, it's beautiful. All right, Jim. Uh, what is your dream lineup of T.O.P., assuming you have Emilio, Doc, David Garibaldi, and Rocco? So I'm not a fantasy football player, so um, I, I'm, I'm looking at this somewhat from a... <laughs> yes, you're much happier. You're <laughs> Although happy I did enjoy the, the, I did enjoy the uh, fantasy football for idiots episode <laughs> that taught me quite a bit. Um, but I, so I was, uh, yeah, I'm looking at this as, as a musician stand from a musician standpoint, um, as well, just much probably like Todd is as well, but, uh, you know, your, your lead tenor chair, you can't go wrong with Lenny Pickett, mm. um, I was hoping Todd would mention that he was in fact the uh, the musical director for Saturday Night Live, so that that rip and sax solo you hear over the closing credits that's Lenny Pickett, and he learned all that by playing with Tower of Power. Um, but let's say Lenny Pickett has to go on the injured reserve list. I'm going to Tommy <laughs> Pollitzer next, mm, and then uh, if if Tommy P tests positive for COVID, then I'm going to Norbert. Um, you got some because depth. Much- much like Todd said, you know, you can't go wrong with a name like Norbert. And no. um, he's he's featured pretty heavily on the, the Soul Vaccination live album. And he's definitely got a lot of the, the rhythmic thing that Lenny brings to the the solo chair and the, and the tenor playing. Um, but he's got a lot of um, different harmonic sensibilities that when combined just make for an incredible tenor sound. And um, I'm actually going to have know, to correct you on here, sir. It's it's not Norbert on Soul Vaccination. That's Tom Pollitzer. What? I just looked it up. No, it's not. It is. I've got it listed no, right here. No, it is not. Uh, dude, I'm he, looking. Tom, at, Tom's on Oakland Zone. It's 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 on it's on Wikipedia. It's got to be right. <laughs> well, well, I will I will research otherwise to prove you wrong because I know that that's Norbert on on Soul Vaccination. Okay. Because Tom wasn't in the band in '99. Wow, this All may right. actually become a debate. I like this. <laughs> So, wait a minute, Todd, is, is this on the level of taking it to the bike racks or what? No, we're not quite there. 
Not quite. Not no. quite. They All might, right, I'm just, might be I'm just discussion checking. down the All line. Right. I don't know. He, he, he so, gets a little so, uh, jumpy when when you know the debate starts. So it's all about the bike racks after that. Excuse me, I'm speaking. <laughs> oh, there is no excuse me. I know. I forgot. Um, it's trying to be nice. I, I was actually one of the ones that challenged Todd to meet at the bike racks when he made that Facebook post. Yeah, he actually uh, did. But, <laughs> and, and we thank you <laughs> for doing argue. so. We thank you for doing so. I, I, I looked at the, I looked at the lineup. Like, I'm getting my ass kicked right here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, made, All right, I so made a grievous error. I, I, I will research that 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 personnel issue with the Soul Vaccination Live album okay. later. But uh, moving on to the lead trumpet chair, I, I got to go. Um, as much as Mick Gillette may be the OG, I, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the stamina required to get through an entire night of playing lead trumpet with Tower of Power. And I'm going to have to go with the Reverend Jesse McGuire. Mm. Uh, that was a, as previously was a, mentioned. He was a large human being, too. Like he was one of those dudes like that's like a refrigerator that someone just slapped a head on and taught how to play trumpet. Like he's a yep. he's a, a large but, individual. <laughs> but along with that large body comes large lungs and he's got a lot of mm-hmm. air to pump through that trumpet and that helps him immensely. You know, should he fall ill and and, and have to be benched, I'm going with Iron Mike Bogart. Yes. From uh after the Rhythm and Business album. The most um, jacked member of Tower of Power ever. <laughs> Good former Lord. uh former Navy officer and musician um, oh, he was? now is actually complete yeah i didn't know that yep and uh, is now completing a graduate degree in jazz studies in england and is very opinionated on the current affairs of our nation oh. on social media but uh just an absolutely stunning trump trumpet player mm. And should Iron Mike fall ill, which I don't think will ever happen in his <laughs> lifetime, um, I'm going to go with Bill Churchville. Uh, again, sentimental reasons, just because um, Bill was the uh, lead trumpet player the first time I saw the band live, and I was floored, and he's got a goatee and a mullet to die for. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had another. They had a good run of mulleted trumpet yep. players, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, moving on to second trumpet, just because of the sheer jazz background and the jazz vocabulary, I got to go with Greg Adams mm. um, because there are going to be times when there are features for trumpets to play solos. And Greg Adams is pretty much second to none when it comes to that. But if I had to if I had to go with somebody else, I'd go with the current second trumpet player, Adolfo Acosta. Again, he's uh, got the, the vocabulary to handle the solos, but... Should a lead trumpet player need some assistance, he's got the chops to play lead trumpet as well. Mm-hmm. And as a uh, third choice for second trumpet, uh, New Hampshire homeboy from the Seabrook, Northampton area, Barry Danielian, who was on the uh, Sold Out and um, Rhythm and Business albums. Represent. Yep. Hampshire. And Todd, our friend Mark Paquin is probably very close with Barry. Really? Because they're about the same vintage yet. Huh. Good to know. Barry might be a little bit older, but I'm pretty sure that he and Mark were close. I like the way you said that. Not, um, not age, vintage. I'm going to start mm, saying that. Yes, I, I like that. Uh, in the organ seat, can't go wrong with Chester Thompson, but, mm. you know, if if CT can't hang, then it's it's got to be, be Roger, their current organ player. In the guitar chair, I'm going with the OG, Bruce Conti. And, uh, you know, as as Todd said, uh, Jeff Tamilier is a suitable replacement for Bruce. I've, I was never a huge Jeff fan. I thought he was more of a uh, I, I don't I don't want to say filler, 
but um, I didn't think he had as much edge as Bruce does on some of the earlier stuff. Yeah. The thing that put me over the edge with Jeff was uh, a couple of years ago when he was filling in for their current guitar player, Jerry Cortez, uh, from the aforementioned, you know, light rail accident that that took out most of the Tower of Power rhythm section (laughs) and and seeing Herman Matthews and, and Jeff play. And I was like, wow, I forgot how much this guy could do. And it really, it, and, it kind of, it brought that back to me a little bit. And perhaps what I'm, what I'm basing my decision off of is, and, and I've not, I, I can't say that I've seen Bruce perform live, but um, Jeff never struck me as much of a showman. If, if you've ever watched any of those, I'll call them documentaries, but you know, like the 50 years of the Fender Stratocaster and it's like the, the, the concert videos, there's a guy who plays guitar in every single one of those who you don't recognize. He's got a music stand in front of him with, with all his charts for the night. Yep. Plays the absolute living crap out of the guitar, but nobody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Jeff Tamilier strikes me as. Like he's, mm. he's a fantastic player and he'd be perfectly happy living a studio life with nobody knowing who he is. Whereas I, I, again, not having seen Bruce play live, I, I just based on the way he plays and the sound that he gets, I, I feel like he would be more of a showman. Yeah. So that's that's my basis for that one. And Although, um, oh, go ahead. Yep. Sorry. No, go ahead. Finish. <coughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. <coughs> I'm just gonna finish by choking. <laughs> hey, like your fantasy team. <coughs> <coughs> oh. 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 That that went that went from me editing it out to all of a sudden now I've got to keep that because damn that was good. <laughs> <laughs> It was almost glorious, oh, I might say. Oh, it was glorious, my friend. Glorious! <laughs> that was fantastic. But uh, it was almost neat. Oh, very um, neat. So, <laughs> I would, after having seen Jerry Cortez now, that dude can play. That oh, I, absolutely. I was impressed with the with the with the breadth of styles that he could work in and and what he brought to the band in a live setting when I saw him because I I'd only seen him just this past time because before that he was uh, again laid up with uh, you know getting hit by a train so I I didn't I I couldn't put him on there but at the same time don't sleep on Jerry Cortez and, and my last one in the vocal chair I I definitely got to go with uh, with Marcus Scott. Uh, followed closely behind by Larry Braggs, mm. who was his um, predecessor's predecessor, <laughs> and um, I just the again again perhaps sentimental reasons, but the two of them just I think embody what the band should be and could be in current times. Mm. Yeah, nice. he brought he brought so much kind of like youthful energy, but also this a very different edge and energy to the band. Yeah. Very, very sad for whatever reason that he is not with them uh, now. And I think Larry brought Larry, Larry Braggs actually brought a bunch of that youthful energy, though he's not as young mm. as Marcus is. But I, I think that you know the 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 youthfulness of Marcus Scott was something the band needed. And like you said, I think it's unfortunate that he's no longer with the band. Yeah, very good. Good lineups all around. It sounds like it's tough to go wrong, really. I mean, even if you're going to go with some of the the lesser Tower Power lineups, I mean, yeah. they were still they were still good enough to hang with this band. Yeah, that right. yeah. that even at its most messed up was still insanely good. Yeah, like Ugh. like, I mean, like you, you had guys the... playing saxophone like Richard Elliott, who, yes. who went on to a smashing career in smooth jazz. But you listen to him play in the band, and he fits. Yeah. 
and and can totally hang. Well, his his solo on on credit is almost enough for me to put him in this category. To to like, I was I was debating or whether or not I should put him third with Norbert because I'm like, that solo is crazy, absolutely crazy. And then seeing him seeing a couple of videos with him live, I'm like, that dude could play. Oh my gosh! Yep. And it was almost enough to t- kind of, and I'm like, then I'm like, but that's also like the fifth best guy who's ever played yeah. with them. Insane. And so, and you know, again, b- because for for me, you know, and not having the the depth of knowledge, it 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 sounds like for any of these people to have been in the band, there's just that level of musicianship and and skill, you know, that you need to possess if if you're going to hang yep. with them. Yeah. Yep. Right. So. Yeah. Yep. Very, very, very cool. And before we move on, I am I'm on the uh, I'm on the band's website right now, and the personnel listing on Soul Vaccination Live clearly lists Norbert Stachel as first tenor saxophone. <laughs> well, then Wikipedia was wrong. <laughs> what? I know. Hashtag not shocked. I know. Oh my goodness! And and I got to be honest, it it really does say something when when you know, especially Jim with your lineup, you you didn't just pick one. You you had backups for the backups for the backups, and and well, it, it's like trying to pick your top five songs. Yeah. It's I mean, pick, picking your top five, uh, picking your top lineup is tough because there's there have been you know, according to the Wikipedia, there's been over sixty musicians that have played in this band over the fifty two years. That's been incredible. So there's a lot to choose yeah. from. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's 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 incredible, very impressive. Well, gentlemen, before we uh, wrap things up, yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. We have one last category for myself, for the listeners, those of us who 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 dare venture off from from what we know and what we're comfortable with, getting out into the unknown. If you were to make a starters list. For someone who, who like me, is aware maybe of Tower of Power but has not listened to them very deeply, um, what would you recommend to kind of get them in, to lift that veil, to lock them in, to get Jake Elwood to look and say, I have seen the light? What, what would it be? <laughs> and we'll start with, uh, with you, Jim. So I actually have a, a personal experience with this. Um, I, I played in a wedding function band for about a decade, and um, we went through multiple sound engineers. And one of them, who is one of my closest friends at the time, he was admittedly and still is a he's a metalhead. Uh, he's a hard rocker, classic rocker, and he's mixing sound for a nine piece band with a three piece horn section. And at one point he said, all right, I need I need to start listening to something with horns. What do I listen to? And I said, here. And I pointed him in the direction of the Soul Vaccination Live album that we've talked about. Mm. And he came back and he was just, he was floored. He said, I, I, I never thought that anything like that was possible with a band with horns. Mm. And it, it, it just absolutely floored him. And to me personally, the reason that I recommended that album is, A, yes, it's got a lot of their their all of their great stuff. It's a fantastic album to begin with. But personally, again, having come to the band around the late 90s, this album was released in 99. This album has become the quintessential version of all of those songs for me. Mm. Nice. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, again, sentimental 
connection, but it, it just, that album to me is, is what the band is. So that's one of the, the, the primary reason that I recommended that album and it was received quite well. And then if I were to choose a song, I'm torn between what is hip, as we've mentioned earlier mm. and down to the nightclub again, just two tunes that embody what the band is. It's, it's a, it's a solid rhythm section. That's just so in the pocket that like you can't even climb out of it. And, and, and the horn section just so tight and precise. Um, not to mention the fact in down to the nightclub, there's a, an occasional random bar, a seven, eight. So if you, if you are going down to the nightclub and you're dancing your butt off, you get to that measure and you kind of go, I can't dance anymore, but then you do again. And it just, <laughs> it's so, both of those are just, those are tower of power to me. Nice. Nice. And you, Uncle Todd, what do you got? One song, one album. Well, I originally had Soul Vaccination live. And I'm considering changing it, but I I can't. It, it it really is. Like Jim said, it is the quintessential version of a lot of these songs. And it, it's, it is probably the best representation of early to later Tower of Power, like up until that point. And you do have some of the greatest hits. I mean, you've got you got down to the nightclub. It's on there. Uh, they've got "Willing to Learn," which is a, another one of those ridiculously great ballads that Tower of Power has that they hadn't played live for a long time, and they they started doing it uh, when Brent Carter uh, took over, and uh, that was a great tune. But then it has some of the more recent songs, uh, "Digging on James Brown," which is a fan freaking tastic song, and just kind of an yep. ode to you know the Godfather of Soul. And a, just a musical force of nature. There are some there are some musicians that I I just I have a hard time describing them because I'm like it's almost like trying to describe what's it like being in a hurricane or what's it what's a thunderstorm like. Uh, James Brown's one of those things, you know. The the idea of his music when it came along and how it came along and what and what it still is today is really tough to 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 define to me mm. because it, it bleeds into so many different areas and because James Brown himself was a bit of an enigma and, and a moving target himself as a, as a human being also complicates it. But digging on James Brown is such a love letter to, to his music. And then at the very end, of course, to like dig out like kind of that James Brown horn section at the end and to have Emilio. And of course, any Emilio lead vocal song is a favorite of mine. I just always love those because you don't get very many of them. And for him to call out, you know, Fred, Maceo, Pee Wee, you know, and, and just and to call out with the OG, like James Brown horn players. I was like, that is just so cool and then of course you got what is hip and you've got you know uh you're still a young man so very hard to go i mean that right that right there is like three of their most known popular songs and they might not even be the best songs on the album you know i mean soul with a capital s i mean all all of it is just such a great intro because it's like here it is from almost beginning to end if they could have somehow wedged a version of knock yourself out on there then you pretty much have everything you need up until like the last couple albums and you've you've got the high points 
it is an amazing album and it is a really a, a great representation of the band itself uh, of course you have Rocco playing on it and uh, Garibaldi was on this right I'm going to I'm going to ask you Jim because you now have <laughs> yeah, the research on this okay he so, was and this yeah. was actually the first album with him back like it was it was the live album was his first album back right yeah yeah because Herman played on um, Rhythm and Business and sold out yeah, because then and then uh, Garibaldi was on Oakland Zone, which was the next album after this, right? Okay, so yeah, you've got. I mean, you have the core of the band kind of back together. You have you have Doc, you have Emilio, you have Garibaldi, you have Rocco. I mean, damn, you don't get much better than that. And then for a song, if I had to pick, I would actually go with uh, the song "Soul Vaccination," but I would go with the the original album version from nineteen seventy something. I don't have the date in front of me i think it was 1973 but off of the tower power album just how clean and just precise and and everything about it that is tower of power to me the horn breakdown the bass part the 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 percussion the rhythm section as a whole the vocals all of it that's Tower of Power to me. When I listen to Tower of Power, I am always looking for little pieces of soul vaccination in it. Uh, and, and to me, that is like, uh, what is hip? And the ballads are, are always kind of the, the big like, oh my gosh, that's great. Soul vaccination to me is where I go back to. And I'm like, that's it. That's, that's it right there. If I need to go back to the source, I'm going there. So And, and so for both of you, it was Soul Vaccination, the live album. Mm-hmm. I just want to be clear. Yep. All right. Now, actually, a quick question for Jim. Now, if you if you had to pick a second, because I know you're a fan of the depth chart here, obviously from your your fantasy lineup, what would you say is the second album? Yeah, uh, back to Oakland. Yeah, good pick, good pick. Uh, and that that's that's strictly sentimental connection, just because it, it made such an impact on me, like 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 it did with you. You know, why not share that with somebody if they said, "What one album should I check out?" Yeah. I would almost pick that, but I would actually go with Tower of Power, because even though that Back to Oakland was my was my gateway in, as as I've aged, I've kind of gravitated more to that Tower of Power. Like man, I it's all killer, no filler. Man, it's just right. beginning to end. Right. Yeah, and and again, that like we've said that before, that that Tower of Power album has a lot of their their gold standards on it, mm. and you really can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, when you lead off an album with what is hip. <laughs> you you mean business, not not business, <laughs> business, 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 b i d n i z. There we go. Yes, there we go. Business. I I actually think it makes sense. Uh, you know, I know Todd. You mentioned you know picking something different, not not doing soul vaccination as well. But it it, it, it is funny how there are, are going to be certain albums that fans will gravitate toward as kind of being the gateway into the band. You know what I mean? Like, mm. because it is the representation. And I think I heard you both kind of say that, that in, in this album, it, it really encompasses kind of the soul and spirit of what Tower of Power is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on, on the Rush side of things, you know, I, I would, you know, make the equivalent to Moving Pictures. Like that, like that is the one that, I mean, it was one of their more popular albums, but it is also the one that a lot of, you know, fans you know, kind of recommend for people to get into it because this is the kind of level of, of musicianship and, and music and so forth. So so I think I'll be listening to a little soul vaccination live. Yeah. And and one more thing I just want to and, and, and actually, I, I wonder if Jim is going to feel the same way about this. I think t- there's some bands that you can hear on the album and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the most amazing band. And then you see them live. You're like, 
what happened on the way to the stadium? Mm. Because this ain't as good. And then there's other ba- there's other bands that can be kind of the reverse. Like you hear the album, you're like, man, eh, it's all right. And then you see them live, you're like, whoa, okay, that that's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Tower of Power, you get the best of both worlds. Mm. You get of an absolutely amazing, precise, clean version on the album, and it is just dead solid, perfect, right in the sweet spot. And live, you get the precision, but then they kind of they'll they'll put a little you know to go back to the ain't nothing stopping us. They put a little English on it. They put a little spin <laughs> yeah, on that. A little stank. A little masse sort of thing on there. <laughs> yep. Like yep. when I saw them in October, there was a couple songs where I'm like, "Oh damn, this is like five, six BPM slower than the album version." But oh, it like that is funky. Like they almost it's almost like they didn't want to record it that way because like you know what, we're gonna surprise them when we do it live at this tempo. <laughs> then we're gonna they're not gonna know what hit them mm. when we do it this way. Oh man, and then some of the songs where they just add in little bits of business or they they'll change things up and. Man, it's it's you get you get all of it. You get all of it. I don't know if Jim feels the same way, but I just ah, ugh, ugh. absolutely. And you know, you you hear their studio stuff, and you're like, wow, that's just so amazingly precise. And and you chalk it up to, you know, at least in these days, maybe not in 1968 when the when they were starting to release their stuff. But these days, you you could say, well, that could be studio magic. You drop it into Pro Tools. You quantize everything and line everything up. And hey, mm-hmm. you sound Snap amazing. It right. Snap it right to that grid. But you hear them live and you're like, how is this possible? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I realize that with, with monitors and in-ears and all that stuff, they could pl- be playing to a click all night. But there's no way, no way they can get as funky or as Tim said, as stanky as they can when they play live and, and be locked into a click all night. It just, yeah. So what well, you said. Well, but even as I, I mean, I played with a click and, and that it's, it doesn't take away like, Oh, now anybody can do this. No, you still have to know what you're doing to play with a click. Oh, exactly. And, Absolutely. And, to, and to actually like be good and play to a click. It's the same reason why bar bands sometimes massacre something like ZZ Top. Because like, oh, it's just a shuffle. <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and try that. Yeah. And you, then you realize like, oh, it's a shuffle, but you got to be able to, you got to actually be able to play and to know the guys that you're playing with and know where they're headed and know the yep. exact feel. It's, oh man. Uh, to be able to do that and to be able to do that over decades with different personnel and to keep that to keep that like that is a core principle of the band, man, that is oh, it's amazing that you can do that. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I need to go get my Tower of Power tattoo. That's it. I've been putting it off for like twenty <laughs> years now. I, I got to like do it. it now. Sounds. You just need a gray it. fedora. I'm just gonna get it permanently stapled to my head. <laughs> and another thing. But before you do that, I think we have to uh, get to uh, and another thing. Oh yes, we should. And you know what? Let's let's let our uh, guest go first. Uh, Jim, you got anything for in another thing this week? So as I was thinking about this, I, I thought that it would be apropos, given the fact that we're talking about a band that is highly regarded but not necessarily well known. We might talk about a band, or I might talk about a band that is well known but not necessarily highly regarded, and and that is the band 
that started just a year before Tower of Power in the booming metropolis of Chicago. Where's um, that? Originally known as <laughs> originally known as Chicago Transit Authority, um, more recently known and regularly known as the band Chicago. Now I, I understand that when people hear the, the band Chicago. They think Karate Kid 2 and Peter Cetera and um, (laughs) syrupy, sweet power ballads. You've always Uh, been my inspiration, Jim. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. (laughs) You had to go there. I'm sorry. Um, Right now, it's just you and me, my friend, though. I feel Um, feel dirty just doing it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I instantly regret um, this decision. What what I'd like to do is encourage everyone to go back and listen to everything um, from the the era of the band that included guitarist Terry Kath. Uh, Terry Kath was a founding member of Chicago, and um, he was on their first 11 studio albums before meeting his tragic demise in 1978. The, the the story goes that when Chicago was making their, the name for themselves, they were playing, I believe it is the whiskey, a go, go in, in, in California. And um, they, they finished their show and they're backstage. And Walt Parazader founding member and saxophone player at the time was in the dressing room and felt a tap on his shoulder. And he turned around and, he was face to face with Jimi Hendrix and Jimi Hendrix said, you have a horn section that plays and breathes like they share a set of lungs and your guitar player plays better than I do. Wow. Damn. High praise. I maintain and many of fans of the band maintain that Terry Kath is one of the unheralded heroes of rock guitar playing and since we're talking about Tower of Power, known for their horn section, mm. um, Chicago is a rock band with horns. And much like Tower of Power, Chicago wasn't known for their individual members, mm. but instead for the sound of the band. Yep. Mm-hmm. And while fans of both bands know who the individual members are, it's more about the band than it is about the, the individual as a trombone player, Jimmy Pankow, who's the trombone player in Chicago, is a personal hero of mine. Um, but do yourself a favor and go back and listen to the first 11 albums from Chicago and listen to how that horn section interacts in an entirely different way with that rock band than does the horn section does with Tower Power. Mm. And listen to the, the guitar playing of Terry Kath because I think you might be convinced that, yeah, he got the shaft. And yeah. it's just like it, it it's mind blowing to hear what that band had did in the early days. Nice. Agreed. Nice. Yeah, it's it's such a weird thing because there's so many bands that will uh, and we were talking before the show about Lee Thornburg, maybe uh, uh, Lee Thorn, well, not maybe, but playing with uh, uh, Joe Bonamassa. And there's so many there's so many bands that have a horn section that, you know, they tour with them or this and that and the other. But there's not as many bands that the the horn section is integrated into the band it's always kind of an add-on like oh yeah we've got some horns we hired him and that's uh the what's his name and and who's his face and you know that guy and that's it and they don't they're not really part of the band they're just a it's like a garnish you know Mm. and it's kind of cool but these bands that the horn section is integrated into it and the way and like jim said the way they interact with the band yeah. and and that interaction between rhythm section and horn section is 
it's very different. Like Chicago's interaction with the with the rhythm section is very different than Tower Power. It's very different than Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Very different than Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was, you know, a whole other thing. You know, I mean, it, it, and 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 that interaction is what's really cool, and and what makes that band so unique. Interesting fact. Before we move on, James Garcia, who was Chicago's producer, was also Blood, Sweat, and Tears producer. And he used the profits from Blood, Sweat, and Tears' second album to finance Chicago's second album. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. Nice. Interesting. One horn band to another. What do you got, Uncle Todd? Uh, well, so I've been indulging in uh, a d- little documentary action, and I watched this... I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, but I, I recently saw it that it was on YouTube right now, and it, you can watch it for free. You got to deal with the ads, which at this point means that you got to watch whatever hap, uh, whatever political race is happening in your area, approximately eight thousand times <laughs> in the span of an hour and a half, two hour documentary. But hey, it's worth it because the documentary I'm speaking of is called Chic. And it is all about Kosrov uh, Vaziri, the Iron Sheik, ah, yes. who is a legend of professional wrestling, also a legend of just wrestling. Uh, it was a legit uh, amateur wrestler and a legit badass. And one of those guys who in, in professional wrestling, he came to professional wrestling uh, to make some extra money and was one of those guys who, if he decided that he wanted to beat the living hell out of you he probably could because he, he was number one a, a physical specimen in his heyday but also just was a, a proficient wrestler a, a top class world uh, world class wrestler who if he decided that he wanted to wrench your arm around and put you in a submission hold that would make you cry like a little baby mm-hmm. he could at any given moment you know one of those guys apparently the story goes that he was offered by a promoter uh in when he was wrestling Hulk Hogan and uh, and Hogan was going to take the title from Sheik. Uh, another promoter offered him $100,000 to break Hogan's leg and then bring the title to him. Oh my gosh. And Sheik didn't do it because he had made an agreement, a handshake agreement. He had given his word to McMahon, uh, Vince McMahon that he was going to drop the title to Hogan and that's what he did. And uh, But he was one of those guys that like he could have done that. He could have yeah. gone in the ring, yeah. broken Hulk Hogan's leg, and been like, see ya, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and there's those guys in wrestling who that they could they are those guys. They are the legitimate badasses. Now, of course, the other thing is I also love the story if you watch the Andre the Giant biography on uh HBO where apparently Andre didn't like Iron Sheik and one one night had enough of Iron Sheik and just literally beat the living hell out of him. <laughs> Which is another guy who was like if he decided he wanted to destroy you, he could. Uh, and there's yeah. nothing you could do about it. Yeah. Uh, but the Sheik kind of covers uh, who he was, his history, and then also kind of gets into the dark place of where, of what happens to wrestlers after, mm. you know, they get past their prime and and the and the problems that they deal with. And it's it's painful watching this dude walk around on yeah. on like one and a half legs, and and taking uh you know not just not just drugs but like uh you know like crack to try and deal with his pain and self-medicating and then but also gets you to a point where he comes out of it and then becomes kind of this social media star mm. who i mean good lord if you're not following iron chic on twitter <laughs> he is a quality follow you <laughs> got to follow iron chic because it is Bubba. uh 
amazing. Everything is Bubba, Bubba, and oh. and then you as you're watching the as you're watching the documentary, like that's just how he talks. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome, and it is it is a great thing, and it really is one of those things where you 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 learn more about the people who are uh, these these larger than life figures, and uh, it's a great watch, and it, it's even worth watching uh, during this election season when you have to watch all of those wonderful ads that uh, that we all have to endure right now. Wonderful. And what do you got, sir? Uh, I alluded, so I, I'm kind of doing a two-parter because I already kind of talked about one half of it. Uh, but I'll, I'll go back to uh, if you know again, if you are a fan of uh, of of you know gaming, fan of of the flight simulation sort of thing, and a big fan of Star Wars, uh, I believe you will very much enjoy Star Wars Squadrons. It's a fun, fun game. Uh, at some point down the line, we have Jimmy Dice on again. Um, you know he has the VR thing for this, so he's he's actually playing this. He does. Oh, 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 oh yes. Of, actually, of course oh, he does. So I cannot wait to hear about that, uh, <laughs> either on Scruffy Looking Podcasters or when he comes on here again, just just to get the lowdown on what that experience must be like. Because even just play, you know, like I alluded to earlier, even just playing with, you know, headphones on, they have kind of that that whirring of, of, I, you know, I mean, I know it's space and there's probably no sound in space, but just, you know, as you're flying, you know, just that, that sound of just flying an airplane or flying a jet or something like that. It's just, you know, it just kind of immerses you in it. And, uh, and the, you know, the graphics are amazing. You know, some of the flybys you do on the capital ships are just incredible. So just, just a, just a fun game. I mean, I haven't gotten deep into it, but from what I've uh, watched of my son playing and, uh, and and just kind of getting you know my my uh, you know my piloting legs about me um, you know just looking forward to kind of deep diving into that one. Uh, so the other one I had uh, actually was from last night, watching Saturday Night Live. Uh, Jack White was a late substitute for musical guest, and mm. he performed uh, two songs. Uh, just just incredible. I I, I just. Jack White's one of those musicians I just love to listen to because he just brings his own unique energy, style, and flair to what he does. And uh, he, he played, the first song was a combination of um, a White Stripes song called Ball and Biscuit. Uh, it incorporated apparently some lyrics in from Beyonce's Don't Hurt Yourself. He Kind of the theme throughout the song was... What? Yeah, yeah. Don't hurt yourself, and then uh, yeah, and that the, you, Todd, don't hurt yourself, and then uh, Jesus is coming soon, which was a um, a song from back. Uh, I can't think of the right term for it. It's it's a hymn that was big back during I guess the nineteen seventeen nineteen eighteen uh, pandemic. So there, there was kind of a theme through what he was playing about hmm. kind of what we're going through, and just done in his musical style. Um, just just amazing. Just energy was incredible, and then. Um, what was really cool was the second song he did was a uh, live version of Lazaretto where uh, he incorporated, he was playing it on a guitar that was custom made by Eddie Van Halen for him. Uh, oh, and, man. And even during the instrumental part, you got to go and listen to it. You can find both on YouTube. Um, just look for Silent Live, Jack White. And uh, uh, just when he did the uh, the guitar solo in the middle, he even broke out a little, you know, a little Eddie Van Halen in there. Um, just, just that... that you know, kind of signature riffing that, that, you know, Eddie would do. Um, so, so just a great song. One other thing I want to point out too, is when you watch, check out the drummer and the drums, because this drummer plays with the drums facing out from him and he kind of sits up high. And at some points he's even standing while he's playing. It was pretty cool to watch this guy go. So, uh, 
I don't know his name. Um, I, I just happened to notice that, you know, his, his drums were not set up like a traditional drum kit. They were uh, they, they were kind of facing out a little bit, and he had kind of a downstroke going when he was playing. Um, you know, just um, when I say down, I mean, I know drummers have to hit down, but more so than a normal, you know, what you would normally see in a drum kit. So, um, so anyway, so, so check it out. Jack White on SNL, just, just those songs were, were just, just really well done and, uh, just a lot of energy. So I like it. Well, as always, we, we thank everybody out there for listening. We appreciate you all. Uh, be sure to tell a friend. Be sure to tell an enemy. We, we Again, we are not actually picky about uh, or discerning about who listens to our show. We just like to see our names out uh, out there on the Internet. <laughs> and that's that's really it. So tell anybody you want. It's all about an care. ego trip for the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> and, we cracked And the, the guests we, we have, so. Well, yeah, we cracked a thousand, and now we're trying to get to two. And you know, honestly, it's all just it's house money at this point. Uncle Todd's got works. grand plans of glorious world domination. So here we go. Glorious. Not really. I I just I just want to continue seeing my name on the internet. I'm a very simple creature. Uh, so if uh, please be sure to tell everybody that you know and uh, friends, enemies, uh, family, uh, strangers, complete strangers on the street, just yell out free range agency and then run away. It'd be it'd be great. <laughs> It's uh, a. <laughs> that, that, sort of that's like, one way to get the word out. <laughs> it's like Alice's Restaurant. You just walk in, sing a bar at Alice's Restaurant, and walk out. Nice. Uh, just yell, Free Range Agency, and walk out. I didn't plan on doing an Arlo Guthrie shout out right now, but hey, that's how it worked. So uh, be sure to tell everybody to subscribe to us on Podbean or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Uh, we were on YouTube, but you know what? Screw YouTube. They are no longer friendly to us, so they are dead to me. So you can follow us on social medias at Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. We are at Free Range EDC on all those platforms. You can also find all of our episodes uh, on uh, freerangeedc.com. That'll take you to our Podbean page. You can listen to all the fun stuff there. If you have any questions, concerns, outright bribes, or uh, even a pyramid scheme, perhaps, send those to Tim at freerangeadc.com, and he will respond to you uh, forthwith. Uh, thank you very much, Jim, for uh, bearing with us, uh, our guest yes, this evening, a musical you. expert. Thanks for having me. For dealing with the idiocy, uh, you know, you're welcome, and, and, and you get a 10% discount off of your therapy that is coming <laughs> for you after you've been on this show. <laughs> Not I mean, 10% off at, the next concert you go to to see Tower of Power. It's just 10% off your therapy. There we go. Just look at Jimmy Dice. Look at how we've ruined him. He used to be a... <laughs> he was such a good boy. He wasn't gray before he knew you, and yeah. then suddenly he is. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have pointed that out. Yeah. Well, the, actually, and the funny thing is, I was thinking about this as you were talking. I was like, man, actually, now that I think about it, it's funny because you you were you were the fill-in for for Jimmy yeah, Dice for Mama's Boom And Shack. I was the one who who gave him the gig. That's right. Oh that my that's right. You know what? He owes you. You you need to you need to get some royalties from him. Oh wait. Well, he, I I keep hassling him to to figure out when we're going to play golf and when when we do, he'll pay for the round. I was going <laughs> to Well done. I was going to say the Mama's Boom Shack album ain't made enough money yet. I always told everyone I'm like, "Hey, as soon as we get enough royalties from all the streaming stuff where I can buy everyone a beer in the band, then we'll celebrate." Uh it's been like 6-7 years and we we haven't hit that point yet. So, I'm I'm still hopeful by the time that the album turns 20, maybe we can get everyone together and have a have go. a cold beverage. Nice. Does uh, that include those of us who got a special thanks on the liner notes? You know what? I will I will buy your beer out of my own pocket, sir. At that at that point, <laughs> it'll be like wow. $9.87 to buy like a Bud Light, but yes, I will do that it's like, for that's you. That's like striking gold. 
Hey, hey, hey. He doesn't hey, offer I'm that a... to everyone. Jeez. <laughs> hey, I used to buy those six packs of Mickey's fine malt liquor. Yes, you did. Yes, yes, you did. Yes. And I'd trip over the empties. <laughs> $2.99. <laughs> Nice. Hey, you know, that's that's the price you pay for coming to the apartment. Yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. Uh, all right, so now we come to the point in this show where we, we try and wrap up the idiotcy that we've been on. And I turn to Tim and I say, uh, sir, well, you know what? This is, actually, this is actually very prescient to what we're talking about. Sir, not what have we learned. What have you learned this episode? Well, my friend... I I have uh, a great deal of music I need to listen to is 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 what I have learned. Uh, you know, T.O.P. brings the energy. Uh, mu- you know, musicianship, soul funk. You know, it's something to you know, just something a little different to listen to. I'm I'm typically more of a rock person, but you know, I'm I'm always you know open to kind of reaching out and beyond those those uh, those comfort zones and, and listening to something different and, and you gentlemen have uh, definitely given me some some ideas some some albums to start listening to um, you know they uh, listening to a band who has such an extensive uh, you know discography is going to be uh, you know fun to kind of navigate and I shall start with soul vaccination uh, I, I also like hearing about all the mullets the goatees and the balding with the mullets. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, with that being said, you know, it's, it's definitely something to give a listen to. I think for our listeners, if, if, you know, given the times we're living in right now, we, we all have a little bit more time than we maybe have been used to in the past. So, so, so give them a listen, you know, kind of stretch your, your musical, uh, sensibilities out a bit and, uh, and check them out. And, uh, you know, as, as we always like to kind of close with, uh, you know, be good to each other. Well, before I start that, actually, again, I just want to say thank you to Jim. Appreciate you giving the time and 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 sharing the knowledge. It's it's it was good to to meet you to talk with you. So so thank you, sir, for for joining us as well. It was my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, so now we get into the final final part where I, uh, you know, be good to each other. Uh, <laughs> let's look out for one another. Let's let's not be crazy and uh, take care of one another. Be healthy. Uh, and please, uh, you know, Uncle Todd's taking a beating in fantasy football this week, so there's there's oh. probably some, some some money being exchanging hands here. So please, hit the lights on the way out. I got the wrong week. Quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. Don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And be sure you get your soul vaccination, otherwise you get that funky pox, you get that itch, (laughs) you get that rash. No one, that's, no that one likes the rash. I'll make you funky like a bow-legged monkey. There we that's go. Not even, there we go. That's not, even, that's not even counting the rash that you already had. This is a different rash. <laughs> you, already, you thought you were getting that first rash under control, and now you get the funky pox rash. Oh, my gosh. My what gosh. you need to do is get your soul vaccination, then you can get funky like a bow-legged monkey. Mm-hmm. And then, there you go. That's okay. A little bow-legged ain't, ain't a problem. It's that rash. <laughs> Get you. I don't know what but I'm talking. You recover about. quickly because you're still a young man. <laughs> yes, you are. And yes. you know what? The problem with the rash is it's so very hard to go. 
How did we get onto this? Jeez. <laughs> oh. And you know what? If he just kept a damn monster on a leash, you wouldn't have this problem in the first place with them rashes. But but once you're cured, you'll be back on the streets again. Ah, yes, you will. There we go. Cooking with some East yes, Bay grease. Yep. And you get a little social <laughs> lubrication, and the next thing you know, the skunk, the goose in the flat. Damn, I got that rash again. <laughs> <laughs> And why does it burn? Why does it burn? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we cannot control hey, hey, him. Just, <laughs> time will tell, though. That's all we have to say. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not just a flash in the pan. Oh, <laughs> if only I could get a clean slate. Help me. <laughs> this is I, such a Chris Humphrey game right now. Oh, man, don't I get any credit? Oh, jeez. <laughs> You I need to get my feet back on the ground. <laughs> there ain't no stopping us now. Uh, no, there ain't. Mm -mm, oh. I got the groove. I got the groove. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's, it, this is now a one-upsmanship game. Who, who's going to give the, the other the last word? <laughs> you know, because a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. I got You're nowhere to run. It. I got nowhere to run. <laughs> Tim's starting in. Yeah. Oh, my now God. Oh. <laughs> as surely as I stand here. Oh, God. I'm telling you. Oh, oh. my gosh. Just got to drop it in the slot, and that's all it is. <laughs> Which leads us back to how you got that rash in the first place. <laughs> You hung out with that clever girl, right? Oh, man. Let me tell you, she was clever. Mm. Oh, this is too but funny. loving you is going to see me through. That's all I know. Oh. You're just both sorry over nothing. Oh, it's a, Well, it's a yin-yang sort of thing, you know? I mean, as long as she stays by your side. Well, hey, you know, we came to play, so... Uh, <laughs> This is going to be the longest outro in the history of this show. Right hey, we're having fun doing it, though. My goodness. Uh, oh my well, you ought to be having fun. Oh. <laughs> Good Lord. Come on. Good Lord. Come on. That's all right, because you know what? I'd still be digging on James Brown. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Oh man. Well, I got I got to get going cuz I got to hit on down to the nightclub. Yeah, so Yeah, I bet you do. You better step up. Yeah, well, you know, hey, you know, you two just knock yourself out. I'll be good. Oh man. Oh. I think I'm exhausted after that. Well, this has definitely been the real deal. Oh. <laughs> Oh, come on now. You and we definitely weren't on cruise control. Oh, oh, that's a deep cut right there. Well, you know, you, I get that educated bump going. I just can't stop. Because oh, <laughs> you know Mama lied. Mm, come on. But, when it, but you know what? Just funk this dumb stuff. <laughs> just remember, the more you know, the more you don't know you don't know. Oh, true, true. You know, but that's why you got to have a little rhythm in business. Uh, <laughs> I am willing to learn. Oh, come on. Oh, now. there you go. Yeah. There you go. And that ex is exactly what is hip. There we go. Mm, there we go. Yeah, all right. Now we've come full circle. 
<laughs> oh, all right. I think I I'm out. I'm out at this point. So <laughs> I didn't know if you're going to pontificate about the rash any further. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Bumps it in.